Hello and welcome to the In the Can podcast. Uh, my name is Devin, and I'm joined by James and Tom. And we're still a bunch of nerds sitting in the basement pretending we're important. Uh, we've taken a couple weeks off. Uh, we're going to be changing stuff up starting probably next week. But yeah. uh, in the uh, because of the fact that Endgame is coming out this week, we figured we'd do our sci-fi list, and then we'll jump into changing it up next week. That being said, uh, we've been off for a couple of weeks, so let's run down various movies we've seen in the past couple of weeks. Uh, the big one that we're going to talk about, let's hold off on that until the last, and then we'll jump into our list. So, first, James, have you seen anything cool in the last couple of weeks? <laughs> Actually, yeah. Uh, almost immediately after the recording for the last one, I did finally see Alita Battle Angel. And there's one or two moments where it's kind of like, eh, but on the whole... 100% solid recommend. I loved every second of it, pretty much. Oh, yeah. It I, didn't even seem like it seemed like it was out of place with its robotics. Oh, yeah. Once once the movie starts, everything kind of fits the world. Even her eyes, you don't... They're big, but you don't, I don't notice them after a while. And the fact that she's cybernetic. The, the big one that I still noticed was uh, the big, like, Russian dude. Oh, he, Gruishka? Yeah, Gruishka. He, he threw it a, out. He felt a little CGI. So. Only a couple times. Like, when he had a white background, it's like, okay, yeah. there's something obviously not right here, but I can't tell what. Other than that, like, the, if there was a point, I couldn't remember it. Uh, like, Ed Screen's in that one, right? Uh, yeah, he Ajax. plays. He, 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 he was he was Ajax in the Deadpool movies. I can't remember his name in this one, but he looked natural. He one hundred percent looked natural. Yeah, it's the bounty hunter. Yeah, the, I thought he looked really cool. The holder of the ma- the the wielder of the Damascus blade. Mm-hmm. It's like he looked one hundred percent natural. Like I didn't like nothing stood out as it's like oh this is obviously bullshit. It's like wow, what did they do to him? <laughs> there are a few points. Uh, when she was riding on the back of the the monocycle, yeah. there was a couple where the, the animation wasn't as polished, but the rest of the movie... I can't screw complain. I would love a sequel. Um, this week, I kind of have been focusing more on television shows, so uh, other than the big one that we're going to be talking about very shortly here, I haven't really watched a whole lot of new movies. Oh, I can't say the other, the other two that I've watched or one I tried to. I tried to watch Coherence. Yeah, I tried, Devin. Yeah, it's a... Yeah, it's a not a very easy to jump into movie. It's... First five, ten minutes, it started getting into Orange County Housewives bullcrap, and I was just like, you know what, I don't need this. Yeah, I can I'm see sorry. <laughs> and the other one I did watch that I loved was Thank You for Smoking. Mm-hmm. That, I was laughing throughout the entire oh, thing, yeah. practically. That one was great. J.K. Simmons, he's great. Oh, uh, Aaron Eckhart played played it beautifully, and I won't lie. When you met the 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 product placement guy Jeff, I immediately thought of you. Oh, like, Jeff, uh, when do you sleep? Sunday. Adam Brody. <laughs> no, that's uh, Rob Lowe. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Adam Brody's the assistant. Yeah. I immediately thought of you. Well, you mm-hmm. also saw Gabriel in there, but for for it's like because I saw one of the guys and I was like. I know you supernatural. Oh my god! It's like it actually finally stood out. I'm like ah, but yeah, yeah. like Jeff reminded me of you hardcore. Well, it's easy. Uh, you know, it wouldn't explode in an all-action environment because thank God we invented the whatever device. Anyway, 
I quote him a lot. His mannerisms and just everything about him starkly remind me of you. What do you yeah. sleep? On Sundays. <laughs> no, just a matter of fact, Sunday. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I, I, and I would also definitely recommend it to people. Yeah, I really like Thank You for Smoking. Uh, this past couple of weeks, I mean, I went down to North Carolina, so that's why we didn't do a show last last week. Um, but I watched Escape Room. They came out earlier this year. That's fine. It was nothing special at all. Whatever. It was kind of fun for kids. Some really cool, some really cool shots. Like they had an upside down room, and they were trying to figure out, and they shot it all upside down. That was really cool. Um, I watched Kid Who Would Be King, the little, the kid version of King Arthur. It, it was fine. We've had that Kid in King Arthur's Court. Yeah, this this one was well directed, but it was just kind of too easy. Like there was no strife at all. He just, yeah, wasn't great. Um, I also watched Enemy, the uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Where so Jake Gyllenhaal, first off, he's a wildly underrated actor. Holy he's crap, he's great. I enjoy him. I really do. But he plays a guy that ends up realizing that there's an actor with the same face, and he goes and meets the guy, and the two have like identical scars and all that, and it's. It's this, like, really weird thriller. It was good. I then found out it was De- Denis Villeneuve who did uh, Blade Runner 2049. Okay. Suddenly everything the starts same, falling into same place. Same director, and I'm like, oh, okay. Everything kind of falls into place at that point. Right? Yeah, and when you kind of read between the lines, it's it's a much better movie. But it, it was one of those weird ones where I'm like, I don't know what the hell I just watched. But, <laughs> you know. And I, also, I watched Tao. I enjoyed it. Not as good as Ex Machina, but no, I will I one hundred percent say is it as good? No, it's definitely worth your time though. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, and I've watched a bunch of other. I keep playing Netflix roulette and just like, uh, sure, I'll try this movie. And usually they suck. You can do that though. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta have interest in what I'm watching. Dude. I've been watching the Saw series. Hit Saw Four. Oh God! Although he says that he didn't get to Saw Four, he right. hit Saw Four. I, I take that back. I did see a new movie, um, at least new to me, uh, Miracle Season. It was okay. Nothing oh, it's the about. volleyball one. Yeah, right. nothing to write home about. So it was. Uh, I also watched Game of Thrones season seven premiere. That's cool. Yep. But not going to talk much about that because it's. Um, I'm not the yeah. fan. I could say that. I enjoy it. Looking forward to tomorrow's episode. I've been rewatching. I'm trying to get through the book. Good luck. I'm still on book one. Same. I've been rewatching the first season for very various reasons. But I think since we've gotten all that kind of covered, how about we get to the meat of the subject, my friends? So, uh, Hellboy came out, and that's a movie. Yeah, that was a movie. I'll preface this in saying that Hellboy 2 is one of my top five movies of all time, and I genuinely loved the original Guillermo del Toro movie, the first Hellboy. So, yeah. I thought the first one was uh, fun to watch. I loved Cronin. I thought Rasputin was a good villain. Oh my Amazing. god! I I absolutely loved Cronin, and I loved Abe Sapien, Hellboy. I thought Liz Sherman at least was an interesting character. I thought Broom in that one was fine, was okay, but it was number two that made me love Hellboy. This new one had problems. <laughs> I'll agree, there were problems. Okay, um, there were there were more than just a few. Yeah. Um, yeah. I definitely would put it as a, a, a good popcorn movie. 
Well, that's one way to put it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Everyone, every, I just wish we could show the, the expressions <laughs> your face is making. <laughs> yeah. You are cycling through some interesting expressions I do not so, normally see on your face. Going into it, I knew... So I, like, delayed watching it because I'm like, oh, I, I love Del Toro. I think Del Toro is one of the most, if not the most creative filmmaker of all time. He's up there. He's up there. Dude, For sure. Else. This movie was bad. This is Neil Marshall, the director of some of the dumbest-ass movies ever, and The Descent, which I thought was good. But, God, this movie had so much potential. Like, I've read the comics, and I got all the references. I got who Baba Yaga was. I got the weird, random Kamazots thing. I got the, like, all the Wild Hunt stuff. I got the the Excalibur storyline was like, okay, cool. Nimue or Nimue or Nimui, they kept changing the, the pronunciation of the damn villain. Yeah. The Grugak, the, all of the stuff. I get all of these. I know who Baba Yaga's talking to at the end of the movie. I know the, the Sapien thing. I know all these characters. It's just, I... They took, like, a whole bunch of different storylines and slammed them into one movie and just kind of forgot to make characters. Oh, damn it. Uh, that's like, so bad. Like, there's a point at one time where they're sitting down with a bunch of books going, we have to find out where to find Nimue. And Hellboy goes, I'm mad for whatever reason, and throws the stuff and walks out, goes into an elevator, and then go up. Going down. No, go up. Going down. Going, go up. And then he ends up crashing the elevator and waking up with Baba Yaga. And then Baba Yaga goes, here's where you have to go. Bye now. And it's like, what? How? The storyline, there's no... Why? And then he appears, like, in a table. Why? Did I miss something? Why? How? There's no plot development. They just kind of decide, we're now doing this. And it's like, what? And they Characters had this, get dragged places. They had this fight scene with Baba Yaga that doesn't go anywhere. And then, then Hellboy just sits down and goes, oh, you're eating kids? Well, I guess I knew of that about your character. I'm going to go now. No, you can't go. Well, I'm going to go cool you have to go to this location okay and then goes to that location it's like what no how that not plot line continue it's just there's so many cool things they could have done and every stuck on topic everything i'm hearing from you basically just says is that instead of having the characters drive the plot the characters were bystanders in their own story. Is it was a, they showed up and did X because, well, plot says it. Ha- there's a fight yeah. that's supposed to happen here, guys. Get on it. Get on it. They they have to find out where Nimue is going, and instead of like doing the research and having the the professor who is like uh, Ian McShane's character actually doing the research, they just have Hellboy randomly go down an elevator to talk to a person that's in a different dimension and then go here's where we have to go and then just go it's like what and then they have to fight random zombie ghost things and then they have to like they get up there and they shoot her in the face and they have this bad 3d eyeball gag that it's not in 3d the movie is not in 3d anywhere but they had two really obvious 3d visual gags that they did not use correctly and then shoot her in the face, and all of the the creatures run away, including like a bunch of D and D monsters. They all run away, and it's like, well, that was easy. 
And then yeah. Hemingway goes, cool, I'm going to take my weird pig thing and we're going to go. And, well, I'm going to leave my sorceress here. And then he's like, we have to find out how to how to get her and how to kill her. And the one sorceress that betrayed her once goes, oh, I know a guy. And then they, they drop the sorceress for the rest of the movie. And they end up in a in a thing and go, oh, and by the way, here's here's Merlin. Merlin then goes, you have to find you have to find Excalibur. Here's Excalibur. Oh, okay. Goes to pick it up. No, nah, I'm not going to do that. And then Merlin dies. And then they like, oh, by the way, we have to go back to London. Well, too bad we're in Scotland and we don't have a ship. Oh, hey, we're back in London. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, by the way, spoiler alert. Who gives a shit? Who, seriously, who gives a shit about spoilers? About the end credit scene is Baba Yaga talking to someone that we're never going to see because they're never making a fucking sequel to this movie. I get the feeling he doesn't care for it. The thing is, I genuinely loved parts of the movie. The fight with the three three giants was awesome. It was. Those I loved sweet. the fight with the three giants, especially because they used a Muse song for the... <laughs> of course they oddly edited the, the Muse song which was really weird because I know the song but that was really cool oh but I hate that god damn was the, some of the CG terrible in that scene yep. like like it was really cool and then all of a sudden it was like why is the giant like a hundred yards behind where it should be <laughs> and like because he gets flown and the camera zooms over and then like the giant's in a different direction I'm like whoa hey that's odd editing but okay then they have like this really cool scene where they end up finding uh, Abraham Sapien and they made a jump scare out of Abraham Sapien who's like the best friend of Hellboy it's like what okay and then it like they had the whole anime scene of all these demons coming out of hell because Hellboy grabs Excalibur it's like okay that's weird but all these demons come out and start massacring humans for no reason just come out and start like skinning them and tearing heads off and eating people and I'm like well I've seen this in an anime okay and then he he like nah I'm gonna I'm gonna stab Nimue and kill her again like shooting her in the head and all of them get sucked back into hell instead of hell just closing now you have demons everywhere but the demons were awesomely designed they were the demons looked awesome but <laughs> They then went down like a bitch because one person stabbed one person somewhere else. It's like, God damn it, you could have this awesome fight scene between Hellboy and demons. Like, so much potential just not didn't go anywhere. And of course, we have to see the spawning of Hellboy again, but this time with Lobster Johnson, who, I'm going to tell you, nobody knows who the fuck Lobster Johnson is. And he's a, a Nazi hunter that brands a lobster symbol into people's faces. Yep. Cool. Uh, okay. What? <laughs> okay, that's a weird cameo to throw in there for no reason. Is what I'm here for. He the has first nothing time. to do with Hellboy's. He has nothing to do with Hellboy's like origin story. It's just it was in there just for a, a cameo, but it was such an important cameo that they like just kind of well, glossed over it. Yep. It's a Nazi hunter. Why is he letting a Nazi demon spawn go? They just don't explain it. <laughs> and then, like, he appears in one of the end credit scenes and goes, Man, you have to fight more. And then just walks out of the movie. It's like, okay, <laughs> sure. Then they have a weird luchador wrestling thing, which is a re reference to one of the comics that goes nowhere and then just establishes that he likes to drink. And then he goes back and everything's fine. It's like, Jesus. Movie, pick a lane.
and there. Hellboy swearing. That's not the comics. He's been taught to swear, say crap instead of shit. But then he just like half time says crap, half time says shit, and then drops f bombs everywhere. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. It's very obvious that producers got involved and just started fucking with the movie. But, and the whole opening like Nimue backstory. I'm like, am I watching a bad trailer for a different movie? And then it's like it's so hyper edited that there's no character development because it's like we have to go back to the Osiris Club. We're back at the Osiris Club. Oh, everyone's dead. Okay, well, hey, Nimue's here. Hey, um, we're at the Osiris Club. Now we have to go here. It's like, what? This, that, that, this sounds very familiar to the problem I had with Guy Ritchie's uh, King Arthur movie. Pretty much. In that there were moments, but that was about it. There was no overarching like, narrative. Like the, yeah, the... Um, the awesome opening montage of him growing up. That was cool. Awesome. That and that, that Jefferson, Yeah, that served everything. That opening montage was perfect. It served everything it needed to. And then they kind of took the philosophy of that opening montage and applied it to the whole fucking movie, yeah, which doesn't just, work. There were so many little issues with the movie that it's just... Like, Alice was a great character. Why does she puke up, like, evil-looking goop? The ectoplasm? It, it looked like like why not have ghosts come out of her head or something like make them ghosts and creepy like it was it, very much a callback to uh, uh, I Lady think Blair. The, no the original uh, spiritualist uh, movement that went on where you had people who were able to channel other spirits that actually supposedly were able to uh, uh, like vomit out this like ectoplasm that represented the spirit. That's um, obscure as fuck if that's yeah, any, you're welcome. anyway. The fact that I actually know that that's a thing. That's and there was a very famous person that did this that was actually called out and uh yeah. Things didn't turn out well for her. But if you look at uh Alice's power in the comics, she like has ghosts come out of her. And it's the spirits, not like weird ectoplasm vomit. <laughs> that actually sounds cool. Like just she and, erupts in spirit. Yeah, she, that's how she's like able actually. to, like how she's able to punch spirits out of the skeleton corpses that randomly appear. She does the same thing and has like spirits come out of her to talk. They could have not made it so obviously bad CGI Ian McShane had on on digital body, and then like the whole Rugok, the the pig guy, cool character, more of him please. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, by the way, you're now a pig. Okay, new character. I'm like, what? And I love Molly Ovovich, but Jesus, she she didn't do shit in this movie. Like, she was there. I would have liked more of her. Like, I would have liked more of a character from yeah, her. Yeah, I would love more of a character from her and less random Baba Yaga. You know, and like, Baba Yaga was a great-looking character, and like, that scene was cool, but... I really liked the I weird never, movement that she had. Yeah, I just never thought that Hellboy was in any trouble in that scene. No. Like... This thing is obviously supposed to be an evil thing, and he's just, like, not taking it seriously. Mm -hmm. Oh, you eat children? Oh, okay, well, I'm going to leave now. It's like, shoot her in the fucking face. Jesus, why are you not killing this thing? Like, you're a demon hunter. Like, what? Or at least if you're not going to do it, give me a reason you're not going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to take your eye. It's like, why? What? What's the, the, This is a storyline from the comics, but they haven't set this up at all. 
It's like, what? Yeah, like, it's explained with one line of, you took mine, so I want yours to replace mine. Oh, okay, sure, I'll give it to you, just tell me where to go. You go here. Okay, cool, well, you never established time, so I'm gonna leave. Ah! It's like, then at the end, you get my eye. Okay. Well, great. The unliving or the undying from the comic is never going to show its face. It's like. So, again, I'm going to say that you didn't care for it. As a such whole. A, as, a yeah, whole. as a whole, I gave it a 3 out of 10. Like. Ooh, that is bad for you. I loved parts of it. I thought uh, David Harbour, cool. Awesome. Not as good as Ron Perlman, but whatever. I still we all knew it wasn't. He wasn't. I liked the, the girl who played Alice. I thought she was fine. Mm hmm. And I thought Ben Daimiao, or Daimiao, okay, they don't know how to spell or say his own name, but Ben Daimiao was actually pretty good. Uh, Daniel Day Kim's character. I thought the, the idea of him being like a weird jaguar was pretty cool. Yeah, especially since you usually don't go beyond werewolf. The so only thing I kind of didn't quite he like turned into was the weird, like, clothing thing. You mean at the end where he... Tears his clothing off and then he comes back fully clothed. Yeah, yeah. That and yeah. um, that in the one point where he like he rips the shirt off and then <laughs> and then he's then he, like putting on the same shirt. Like, did you just have like a pocket full of shirts? What's going on? He, he does, has to at that point. <laughs> he does that a few times and it's like you're R-rated. Just have him not have clothes on. Jesus. Right. Have him be a nudist. That would actually yeah, be kind of like, funny. Like have him taking his clothes off and have her make a joke. It's like, really? What the? dude what the hell man and then like have him then later come back you know putting his shirt or trying to button up buttons that he tore off it's I don't like, know it kind of it almost reminds me just, this is way off topic but it's like, it almost reminds me of the character from uh, My Hero Academia uh, I, I'll be honest I barely got into that show he he can basically make himself uh, oh, my... no no no, no. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name but he can basically make himself uh permeable can face through anything mm. and if he's wrong about how he's using his power he faces through his pants and oh, ends up naked yeah. it's kind of funny yeah but it's, it's like he doesn't he doesn't treat it as anything it's like, oh sorry it's, and he he almost uses it to make people underestimate him yeah and it's actually quite hilarious the only problem i had with dime out is in the fight with super grugak which i'm like okay cool so the pig dude's now powerful for five reasons. minutes of screen time okay <laughs> for reasons but Dimeout goes. I'm gonna. I'm gonna wear Jaguar myself out. He takes some some of his clothes off. He attacks. Gets thrown against the wall and then turns back. It's like great. One of the most cool characters in the comics. He just got him bitch slapped by a pig. That then gets. I no longer need you. And Miley just waves a hand and he turns into a pile of blood. It's like woohoo. Okay. So you know we're gonna get off this tirade because yeah, I, I think you could easily go on for another hour. I could, and I have. It's the movie had a lot of potential, completely squandered it. It tripped. Yeah, it tripped and face planted, then got back up for like two good scenes, and then face planted again. And a character dies twice if you're really paying attention to the movie. <laughs> the the head of the Osiris Club gets beheaded by a. By a giant, but they don't fully show it, and is then eaten by a damn giant. But then you see him back at the Osiris Club, dead, yeah, dead, and it's like, what? <laughs> Who fucked that up? Inconsistency. There's well, the same one who gave uh, 
uh, uh, Daimos, or Daimos, uh, character a shirt that he just ripped in half. Like, it would have been funny if, like, he tore it He's off trying and to tried it. to put it back on and just, like... That's common. Enough. And that's like, good comedy. That would be a really good little comedy. Yeah, or, he's a type that was fit within the spirit of the of the film as well. Yeah, and, like, it had some fun moments. Like, I liked the scene with Hellboy trying to fight the, the luchador, and the luchador not... It's like, what happened to you, man? Like, I thought that was fun, but then yeah. it's... And, like, and then he randomly pins him on a turnbuckle it's like whoa that that wrestling match escalated quickly yeah. okay but but yeah it's like there's just so many little moments that were could have been great like Dino coming ball. back and like doing this and then alice saying like probably shouldn't have ripped your shirt yeah i know or something like that just a little little <laughs> character could have used that about five minutes ago <laughs> you have like you have three interesting characters they could have done with and the fact that they killed Grimm again, it's like, oh no, I didn't see that coming. And it's such an, uh, an un, in, like, unimportant moment of the movie, too. It's just like, oh, he's dead now. It's like, oh, okay. The, the movie itself glosses over because, like, eh, it's going to happen. Berlin coming back for five minutes of screen time just to say, this is Excalibur. You're going to pick it up. No, not. Oh, okay, bye. It's like, the shit. So, anyway, yeah, it. It could have used a lot of trimming. I could probably spend a whole time just ranting about the movie. So let's stop. Yeah. All right. So, so uh, let's move on to a, a movie we're anticipating. <laughs> yeah, movie we're anticipating that hopefully doesn't have a million storylines that it drops the ball on all of them. With <sighs> Avengers Endgame, you know, yeah. if Andy Ward kept it all kept it all in the air, and I will one hundred percent say in the, in the week leading up to Endgame, I legitimately think. I'm not thinking, it's like, how are they going to fit uh, resolve all this? So it's like, oh man, I can't wait to see how they resolve all this. Because they have not dropped the ball yet on the things that matter. They, I'll say Marvel has very rarely dropped the ball. They're, they've been extremely consistent. Yeah, there's one or two. They're like, yeah. they haven't even dropped the ball. It's like, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap. It's they, They've stumbled and they've had to readjust themselves. Yeah, little, little things. Like some of the animation in uh, Black Panther kind of fell apart and... There's some storylines here and there that, okay. They kind of feel like, are they needed? Not that they were bad, but it's like, did we really need to see this? Yeah. But for the most part, they've been extremely good with their, their world. Their quality control has been amazing. Ke I To me, Kevin Feige, the uh, producer, he deserves a lot of credit. Oh, yeah. He knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I agree. Because he was willing to, uh, he was willing, yeah. willing to hear everyone out, and it's like, okay, how do we do this? Yeah. Instead, instead of it's like, oh no, we're gonna do this, this, this. And it's like, which, no, no. Which is how Hellboy was. The producers just came in and railroaded Neil Marshall. So, which and I Kevin Feige kind of did that with Age of Ultron, but but that's honestly I put Age of Ultron at the lower rank of the movies. It's still good. It's still fine. It's still serviceable. It's still better but, than other uh, comic book movies that have come out. Not, I wasn't even thinking Hellboy on that one. Yeah, well. But it's still better than other DC movies that have come out. But, you know. Yeah, it's definitely not the top tier that they have yeah. can easily hit. Yeah. It was a 7 out of 10 instead of the 8, 9s, and 10s that have, they've had. Yeah, but yeah. it's like, on the whole, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I've, I'm, I've personally I need started to, to avoid everything about the movie. I tend to anyway, so it's just easier yeah. on me. 
but I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely want to see it opening weekend because otherwise I'm gonna get spoiled to hell and back. Yeah, um, but, working yeah. at a movie theater like I'm unfortunately forced to live in the spotlight of everything that comes out involving it because well people talk about it on the way out right well not just everybody talking about it on the way Johnny out dies. <laughs> right no uh people are just super excited about it so i have my coworkers who are just wanting to talk about it and like so everything that they find out and read or hear they want to just talk like about it. hey yeah. did you hear and i'm like don't want to i'm like no but Thanks for telling me. Finger in the ear. La 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 la. <laughs> and to be honest with you, they're all pretty good about it because we don't, we're all like anticipating, but they're like, hey, did you hear this rumor about? And I'm like, okay, well, that'd be interesting. How do you think that will play out? And we have these like, like discussions on how things will play out versus like, do you think that's like, we're taking for that as a fact or whatever. We're more of, okay, well, what was the source, you know, that kind of thing. Kind of we're really, Yeah, we're really breaking down of, like, being picky and choosy about where our sources are coming from as to whether or not we're going to just out-and-out out believe something for, that we hear versus, you know, just saying, okay, well, um, this might be something we should probably take with a grain of salt. Yeah, I, I won't yeah. lie. I've been fairly good about not saying anything. I legitimately have no expectations walking at the moment for when walking into that theater on the other than I'm going to have a good time. That's the only expectation I have. I feel like I know what the first 20 minutes of the movie is going to be, but after that, I purposely just lately, I haven't been watching any of the trailers for the past few weeks and all the like speculation videos and who's going to die. Who's not going to die. The, there was a major leak in quotation marks. Tom Holland. <laughs> <laughs> There's a major leak that apparently came out within the last week. Then I'm just like, I'm good. Yeah, but Devin, I don't even I don't have that first 10 minutes because I didn't see any of the trailers. I've legitimately not even avoided it. I just and haven't seen anything. The thing is, the trailers, they they have come out and said half of this isn't in the movie. Half of this is edited. You don't know what the story is. And I'm like, mm, okay. And they've like had interviews, like, who's gotten it right? Has anyone heard any rumors? And nobody's gotten it right. And I'm like, all right. I mean, the Russos have bald-faced lied to us saying that the name of the movie's not in any other movie, and it's in two. We're, this is the end game from Age of Ultron, or we're in the end game now from Infinity War. It's like, yeah, yeah. Then again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. And I know there's time travel, and that's like all I know. And I'm like, there's a time stone, so I'm not surprised. Oh, you know what? That actually makes sense. It's like this is the first time I hear it, but then you bring up the time stone. It's like, okay, no, you know what? That I know there's some make. kind of time travel because of they had like a set picture of certain person talking. They'd to almost person. need to, I swear. And I mean, even be... that, I don't know if that's all fake. Yeah, and, I don't know what's going on. At the very least, I mean, it'd be hard not to have it in some capacity, even if it's just as simple as a flashback scene, because of the simple fact that you have a character who's just been introduced a few weeks ago from that their storyline gets introduced in the 90s, and then all of a sudden, like, they're showing up now, and nobody knows anything about them except for Fury. Who's not here. Who's not here. So Yeah, who died. Right. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, who... who, who Quote, unquote, died. Anyone that's dusted's coming back. Who dusted, yeah. So, I mean, like... Maybe. They have a they have a Spider-Man Far From Home trailer out with Nick Fury in it. They, they're coming back. But yeah. it's a matter of how do they get him back is the real question. Um, alternate reality within the... Unless stuff. it turns out that's they're both scrolls and it's like, what? <laughs> or... Which would be kind of interesting. Secret but, Invasion. Uh, here comes Phase 4. Congratulations, everybody. 
I have avoided there. They've had like stuff popping up about Phase Four, and I purposely avoided it because yeah. I want to see the movie. And to me, it's like the season finale of the biggest season of TV ever. Yeah. It really like has. you think about it's it, an it's, arc. It's been twenty three episodes leading up to a finale. I think this is yeah twenty two twenty second episode of this this. Epic it's been twenty series. episodes yeah. leading up to yeah. the big the big yeah. the big showdown the big bad so, everything. Yeah. For me, the biggest piece of news. The first ten minutes. Doesn't matter. <laughs> For me, the biggest piece of news that's coming out of this, as far as I'm concerned, and it's not even about the movie itself, is the fact that there I've seen a thing advertised for it. There are some theaters that are actually doing the full marathon of all mm-hmm. Marvel movies. Oh, my deck to me is hurt. And um, the theater I work at is not doing it. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> we've done it once, I think. Well, you that did was it, a it, pain. It was a two-weekend event. What, was it for uh, James Bond? or No, it was for Infinity War, leading up to Infinity War. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, um, and then when uh, episode seven came out for Star Wars, we did a marathon. That was the other one I was thinking of. Yeah, um, which was an interesting one in and of itself because that was a twenty-four hour marathon. But uh, that was just not something that, as an employee, I ever want to try to experience again. As a fan, I think that would be one of the roughest thing ever because you're stuck inside of a theater. And yeah, don't really have a whole lot of opportunity. Halfway through, if you even make it that far, you're going to go on You can just mind. take Thor 2, go on a nice break. Yeah, well, that was the thing. A lot of people were like, <laughs> what's the schedule for movies coming out? Okay, I'm just going to show up after this point or like partway through or I don't want to see that movie. At the time and of this recording, and this is Saturday during the day, for those of you who don't know when we record, if you, right now, if you start watching it, um, Spider-Man Homecoming and continue watching, that's how many days we have left. And Spider-Man Homecoming feels like it's one of the later movies. Yeah. It is. Yeah. There's only like five more movies left. Leading up to Infinity War and then I think Ant-Man and the Wasp. Or yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp, I think. And then Infinity War. You would War. start at the beginning of April just watch one a day. The Russo brothers, Actually, uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, have been posting every day what movies to watch in chronological order, not release order. Ant-Man um, and the Wasp. Comes. Ant-Man and the Wasp comes before Infinity War. It can't. It can't. Post-credit scene can't. Post-credit scene comes at the same time as Infinity War. Infinity War is the last chronological thing, is the snap. Nothing is past the snap. Okay, fair. Fair, fair. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, end credit scene ties into the snap. Yeah. So the rest of it is chronologically before Infinity War. And you know that says something that they planned it out that much. That they're that was what four movies ago, three, Infinity War, Ant Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel's the second one to watch after, uh, yep. uh, First Avenger. So yeah, wow. Uh-huh. They've been counting them down from you know the because they're on their press tour and all that, and they've been like posting, you watch this one now, you watch this if you. You know, if you've been doing it, and I've kind of been following along, I haven't really bothered. Or at least been looking what ones they suggest. I rewatched them all before Infinity War, so I don't really need to watch them all again. I've been I watched Infinity War again in the last couple of weeks, but I'm excited for Endgame. Same. I I mean, it's one of, it's one of the more it, I'm excited more for it than I am for some other ones coming out in I'm, the next couple of months. 
there's a few movies that are above it for me right now, but at the same time, I am so damn excited. Like, I want to see how. I want to see how. Everything I've heard, like, not storyline based, but like from the various people that have watched the watched the final cut, and this is grain of salt type of thing, but they absolutely love the movie. And they're like, somehow they stuck the landing. And all of these reviews and everything that's sort of starting to pop up, they stuck the landing. And I'm like, how? How is this not just a train wreck of a movie? Because it could like, easily be one. That's yeah. the thing. It's like, they're. It's not so much how are they going to get it right, it's that how are they not going to get it wrong. Yeah. and That is easily the way you can think about you look it. Like, you look at Infinity War, the amount of characters in that movie. Sure. Going into Endgame, they have seven or eight main characters. They dusted so many. They dusted all of the kind of superfluous characters, and you're down to the Avengers, Rocket, and Nebula. And, like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, you are not wrong. Jesus. They've confirmed that Pepper Potts made it and Happy Hogan made it. And it's like, oh man, uh, okay. <laughs> it's like you have the Avengers and like three side characters. Yeah. And Okoye and uh, M'Baku from Black Panther. Yeah. Shuri's gone, Black Panther's gone. I mean, all of these other characters just aren't going to be in the story, at least in the first half hour. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that. Uh for looking at the character's uh, fragility mentally, I'm pretty sure that Stark would have lost it if anything happened to... Uh, if he had lost both uh, Happy and Pepper. I'd almost say he would have lost it if he lost either one. He would have lost it if he had lost either one, but he would have run 100% off the reservation if had he lost both. both. Yeah. He would have been a, a, a guy sitting in the corner in the fetal position bawling his eyes out. Yeah, because he already saw... He, he had Peter die in his arm. Yeah, he was like, I... It, he it, is broken. Speaking of yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming, the, if you died, that's on me. That is one of the most important quotes from Homecoming, and he died because Tony Stark let him come along. And the whole... Look, it's this, your fault. this shoot is great, so this is kind of your fault. What, what did you just say to me? You yeah. see the mood flip uh, yeah. flip on Tony from kind of flipping. It's like, oh, man, why'd you do this? You should have come to, like, hyper-focused on Peter. Yeah. Like, hardcore hyper-focus. Yeah, and it's one of those character moments for Tony that he's come from this playboy billionaire to a father. Yeah. He just had his kid die in his arms, and it's like, this character hopefully is broken. At the oh, he, I, I want like, I want Endgame to start with them all just pissed and broken and shattered, which the Russos have said, it starts in the darkest point ever in a Marvel movie. I believe it should. You saw the end when just, uh, the, uh Steve, he's, Steve Rogers says, oh god, that's all, that's all he says, he says, oh god, that's it. Yeah, and that is the end of the, uh, I mean, you have the little tag with Thanos sitting down, but, which is kind of cool. Thanos sitting, sitting down and smiling. And it's it like, wasn't a happy smile either. It was a satisfied, satisfied smile, but he, yeah. there's there's a tinge of something just hurting. And if you know the comics, you know that Thanos ultimately, in the comics at least, becomes a hero. Not so much a hero, but he ends up allying with the Avengers at times. Yep. I don't know if they're going to go that route, because I don't know. I don't see the how. I, I could see him realizing he made a mistake and trying to fix it, but I don't know. I'm not sure I how. have no idea of where they're going with this, because they've, like, said that everything you see is either fake, doctored, or... In the first, first couple minutes. It's all within the first 15 to 20 minutes. All of the trailers they've had so far is within the first 20 and minutes. It, and, Devin, I can honestly say that 
we don't know where it's headed, but in the best way. Yeah. I love the fact that we don't. Like, I love the fact that we don't, and I'm going to throw a little shade in a movie that just came out, see the final fucking action scene in the trailer. How are you doing, Hellboy? But, oh, I hate that so much. Like, there's so many things that you just don't know about Endgame, and that's great. Yeah, in, yeah. and not in the, oh god, probably gonna do it. It's like, in the best way of... Yeah. It's generating talk. It's generating speculation, and everybody is just super excited for this movie. So, this movie almost makes me as excited as when I had heard the announcement of episode seven coming. Yeah, out. I was going. I was actually going to think about that, or like when, uh, not nearly as much, but like with the prequels when Phantom Menace was announced. Yeah, that was yeah. huge. Yeah, and like. The beautiful thing is, um, like with those movies, as you said, it's causing speculation, it's causing people to speak. And the wonderful thing that these movies have um, as a quality about them is the fact that it's able to bring so many people from all different walks of life, able to come together and like have something to relate and talk about because it's something they have an interest in. Yeah. And that's one of the cool things that I love about this movie, Star Wars, any of those things is that um, you're able to have a common ground, and it's really cool. And that's a strength of sci-fi in general. Boom, segue. So this week, uh, because of the sci-fi epic endgame, or comic book sci-fi epic endgame coming out, we decided to do our top five uh, favorite sci-fi films. Various movies can fit into fantasy or sci-fi, depending on your take on them. They're a pretty broad net. Mine is all actually full-on sci-fi. Yep. One's a Western, but whatever. <laughs> uh, who would like to start this week? Uh, I don't know. Sure, why not? Um, sure. All right, so uh, coming up at my number five today uh, is a 1951 classic um, starring uh, uh, Michael Rennie and Patricia Neal, directed by Robert Wise. Uh, the Day the Earth Stood Still. Um, <laughs> right. It's about an alien uh, who lands and tells people of Earth that they must live peacefully or be destroyed as danger from other planets is on its way. Um, and I grew up watching this film. It's black and white. Um, and it was coming out during the like golden age of that sci-fi... Like, craze from the 50s of these outlandish things that were going to be coming and invading from other it planets. Came from outer space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all these different things. And oh, I think um, from another world, actually. Yeah. That was around my time. Exactly. Um, and uh, my, like I said, I grew up watching it. Um, you know, uh, The War of the Worlds was a big movie at the time. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, all coming out during this time period. And <laughs> different body snatchers, right? Um, and cry is still creepy. Yeah, <laughs> Forbidden Planet, all those things. And this was just a really cool movie because uh, it showed that not necessarily all the things that we thought about um, these things that were coming were what we really thought about them. That there was more to uh, them that met the eye, we shouldn't judge a book by its cover, and sometimes they were there to actually to help. Um, this is also coming out, yeah, this is also coming out um, 
you know, during the whole Red Scare type thing going on. Yeah, the start of the Cold War. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or like near so, that start. So there were all these undertones going on with that and not knowing who to trust and don't trust your neighbor. If you see something, uh, speak up. It's your job. Like um, that moral pack's coming back. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And um, the idea that there was this one guy, he's coming, he looks just like us Earth people. And uh, he he blends in perfectly, but he comes from this giant saucer with a giant robot that is menacing and huge, but just kind of stands there. Um, and he can melt all the weaponry of Earth's uh, mightiest military, the U.S. government. Are you going Avengers there with Earth's mightiest heroes? Or? Yeah, I thought he was going to. It's like, uh, I gotta pull this one out, Tom. Right? Uh, well, Captain America was already frozen at this time, so... <laughs> Crap, you're right. <laughs> you can melt Captain America, it's great. You're right. Uh, well, we gotta find him first. Uh, unfortunately, he's under the water um, for another few years. So, uh, but, um, it, it was just an overall cool movie. Special effects for the time period were cool. Um, storyline was good, and unfortunately, it was later remade in 2008, Starring Keanu Reeves, yeah, um, with okay, it was kind of a mess. Yeah, it was it was a mess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's just face it. Uh, the remake was a, was a mess. It it was a movie, um, because it qualifies, unfortunately. But that was about all I had going for it, and so uh, I suggest anybody out there who likes sci-fi. Um, and doesn't mind those black and white films, check it out, because it's really cool. And also, if anybody wondered where the uh, the Evil Dead incantation comes from, yeah. that that's that's this movie. Yep. I'll be honest, I haven't seen the original. I, I've seen like parts of it. I'm fine with it. I'm, it, it's, I'm not a huge fan of older movies, because the just I, it's hard for me to watch certain levels of cinematography, because... It was good at the time. It does not hold up. For me, it's the pacing. Yeah. I just they they feel slow in a bad way. Yeah, it's like I cannot stand Casablanca. The third man, I hated. Yeah, for all of that, it's like but, I don't care for the story. Like I think they were well done at the time. Yeah, absolutely. They don't hold up. Yeah, I one hundred percent give. I understand yeah. why it's a classic. Yeah. It just doesn't appeal anymore. And it's not a long movie. It's only an hour and thirty two minutes. Well, that's always nice. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah, there. Are, I'm not gonna lie. There are a couple parts where just like, really, you're 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 still on this. Scene? That's that's the part that I don't get yeah. though. A lot of those a lot of those films from the old days, they're an hour and a half at max more often than they not. Feel longer. How in the shit do you make it? Do you make me feel like I'm bored in an hour and a half movie when I can watch a two and a half hour movie and be like, what? It's over at the end. How in the fuck do you do that? Three hour, two minute movie. Yeah, it's like yeah. I know I'm not gonna be bored when that with that one. I know for a fact right. I will not be bored. If you need to shit, if you're complaining about you know a three hour movie and being too long, you fuckers didn't live through Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> well, it's also you made the movie bad. <laughs> um, and then like like I was telling uh, Devin earlier, I mean it has just cool things in there. Like one of the roles was actually played by the doorman of Grauman's Chinese Theater. I, I just uh, think that's funny. Yeah. And the only reason why it was because he was too, it was just a really tall guy, but he was too weak to actually carry the actress, the main actress. 
in one of the scenes when she's supposed to as the robot. So they actually had to get wires to help him. And from the back, it's actually uh, false arms with a mannequin body. And uh, wow, <laughs> yeah, and you can only stay inside the actual suit for about half an hour at a time. So that must have made shooting up pain. That makes sense, though. Yeah, but luckily his, you know, actual, like, part is mostly him just kind of standing. They needed standing Doug Jones. Existing. Jesus, Right. <laughs> he just kind of stands there for the majority of the film. So. All right. But, yeah, so that's my that's my number five. My, I will go next then, right, Devin. I, I'm wondering, I, I, you're trying to tell me something, Morse code? I'm more saying, like, who should go next. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like little Timmy lost in the well. <laughs> yeah, it's not one. Yeah, it's great. I put him down there. He puts lotion on the skin. My <laughs> number five. He gets those anyway. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in a special mention here. It would be Ex Machina, but I already use that for thriller. So I'm going along a very similar vein with a movie I did happen to enjoy a lot. Tau. All right. Yep, that one was actually just made last year. What well, came out just last year. That was a Netflix film? It was. It is Netflix only, as far as I know. Uh, directed by Federico D'Alessandro. I think that's how you basically pronounce it. Sorry, uh, uh, Mr. Whatever your name is, if we butcher that. Oh, we probably, <laughs> we did. probably that, did. That looks Spanish as all hell. Uh, it basically only has three three actors. I mean, there's a couple others at the beginning, but yeah. they're bit parts. And it uh, Micah Monroe, Ed Screen, and Gary Oldman. That's with Gary Oldman providing the voice for the mm-hmm. AI. I didn't realize until quite a bit into the movie. I'm like, oh, that's even though Gary I told Oldman. you, <laughs> I I didn't really think about it. No, no, yeah, you like, forget. Oh. You forget. No, again, I didn't realize it until the credits were rolling. I was like, Gary Oldman, what? Yeah. And it was, if you liked, if you liked Ex Machina, you're gonna like this movie. Yeah. Is it as good? No. I don't think it's as good, but it's definitely a very good look into uh, AI and the and that whole process of what would you do to create the perfect AI. It's it's a very fascinating film with I think you probably you might have noticed surprisingly good CG. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed. I actually really enjoyed the movie. Uh, it was I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, not quite what I was expecting going into it. Nope. But I actually relatively enjoyed it throughout the movie. So I haven't seen this one. It's one that I want to see just based on your guys' recommendations. Oh, so. yeah. A little side note. Uh, Micah Monroe, who plays Julia, the main character, is actually the main character in It Follows. Really? Very, oh, that's why I remember that name. A very underrated horror movie. Um, very good horror movie from, what I was, from everything you yeah, said about very it. Very I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, that was fun. But yeah, it's like... So, so it, ha- it has... Yep, quite literally, like yep. half a mile down the street. Yeah, this has three pretty big names. Yeah, uh, Francis, Gary Oldman, and I didn't even realize it was Francis either. Yeah, he looks God. so goddamn yeah. different. Like he's got hair for one. Yeah, and the styled hair and the glasses. It's like I did not think that. I almost thought it was the guy who does uh, Beast in the X Men movies nowadays. Yeah, you can see why uh, I think that, right? Yeah, I, I can't remember the actor's name, but yeah. Neither can I, but I thought it was him for a second. I was like, no, 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 the face is a little too wide at the jaw. I kept thinking of the guy who plays uh, Prince Noir from Hellboy 2. That uh, too, yeah, I could definitely see that. But yeah, no, it's awesome. like, he does, like, Ed Screen does a phenomenal job as just a sociopath. Yeah. He was 
excellent. Like all three definitely brought really good, really good performances. Even though Oldman was just a voice. I love the design of Tao himself. Oh yeah, I think Tao in the movie is the AI computer of the house, basically. I actually really like the design of him. It's almost. <laughs> I won't lie. This movie almost reminds me of that one Treehouse of Horror bit where Pierce Brosnan is the house. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. That's, there's, there's kind of similarities going to that. Not yeah. hardcore similarities, but it, I, I thought of it once or twice and chuckled. Yeah. It's also surprisingly graphic at points. <laughs> mm, yeah. I did not expect some of the things that happened in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, the... The stabbing through the one dude, and yeah, it was like, yeah, I did not okay. expect those. There's a, ro- they have like a robot that Alpha, I think his name is for military mm-hmm. use. I think something it's like supposed that. to be called something like that. It wasn't Alpha. It was something Rangers. I want. I, I think that is, but it, you know, everyone could be wrong. But yeah. no, on the whole, really good. The music well, is by Bear McCreary. Oh, hey, uh, God of War game. And God of God. War, and he did uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. He, Phenomenal music. You haven't listened to the soundtrack to Battlestar Galactica, even if you don't watch the show, it's a great soundtrack. Yeah, the guy does great music, just period. Prison Break. Yeah, yeah, because I was I was watching Tower, and it's like, wow, this is some damn good music. And then I found out it's Bear McCree. I said, like, oh, well, there's your reason right there. Yeah, it, the uh, director, this um, Federico de Alessandro, is actually the storyboard artist for Marvel movies. He's a it storyboard and animatic um, supervisor until he decided to make this movie. Yeah, it, it definitely shows because it, it was, again, it was very well done. A couple of points kind of fall down, but not in any way. It's like for, for as low budget as the movie is, oh, yeah. it is very well done. Yeah, if, there's, if the minimalist cast, it didn't feel like it. Yeah. It's like, three people. It did not feel like it was yeah. like it was missing anything. Yeah. Two people and a voice, yeah. It was very well done. Oh, yeah. I, I recommend it to anyone, again, especially if you liked Ex Machina, which had a very similar feel to it. It's like yeah. it's three people, yet it doesn't feel either overblown or underdone. Yeah. All right. Uh, so moving from Tao to a similar low-budget movie, it's $30 million, but uh, 2009 Neil Blomkamp movie. I yeah, District 9. Oh, I need to see that. District, Good movie. District 9, um, starring Charlotte Copley, is one of those weird... Like, when it came out, I saw it in theaters, and I'm like, holy crap, this movie's amazing. I mean, I I had this like weird remembrance that I needed to puke after it from a few scenes, but then I'm <laughs> like, all right. But I've watched it again recently, and I forgot just how amazing this movie is. Uh, it is very much... The story of District 9 is apartheid <laughs> with aliens. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, it is. The, the prawns. Yep. Um, but I absolutely love the movie. I love the, the designs on, what is it, Christopher Johnson? It's the, whatever they named the, the, um, the prawn that kind of is the main character. Um, but Charlotte Copley's character and the main prawn end up kind of teaming up. I can't think. It's such a... I think it is Christopher Johnson. It's such a good... Just overall, just such a good movie. Um, I love the technology. Like, the, the different guns they end up picking up. Like, the gravity gun and the the rail gun and the weird mech that he gets in. Yeah. There's just so many cool cool things going on in this movie. I don't, want to sh- I don't want to shit on what you're saying, but you keep saying prawn, and the only goddamn thing of 
thing I can think of is a jumbo shrimp blown up to human-sized carrying guns. That's the only goddamn thing. That's why they named them prawns. It's because they look like shrimp. Yeah, I know, but it's like, I I, I literally think it's just a literal jumbo shrimp blown up to human-sized carrying guns. (laughs) I'd watch that. That's an image. Yeah, I would watch that, too. It's almost like a Futurama skit, I swear to God. They probably have done that, let's be honest. Probably, that might be why I'm thinking it's One of the Treehouse of Horror Simpsons episodes probably has done that, yeah. It just sounds so fucking funny. I know it's not what that's meant to be, but... But yeah, it's one of those movies that, like, the more I, I think about it, the more I've liked it. And it's kind of fallen off my radar a bit. It's been replaced with other... If I didn't have this as my number five, um, it would have gotten definitely kicked off by Minority Report or War of the Worlds, which I can't say because I've said it for uh, book adaptation and... For everything. I can't remember what I did with the other one, but I've said them for other things. So. Thriller, I Thriller. Think was one of them, yeah. I think Thriller was... Uh, yeah, Minority Report. World. World of the Worlds, I think, was Thriller. But I'm, I'm not really positive. Was World of Worlds... No, was that horror? I don't know. Uh, one of them was one of them, but I've, I've said them both. You've, so. you've, def- you've, met, you've mentioned them in other lists, too, as special mentions. Oh, yeah. That's so I, I kind of took them out, because I've mentioned them before. Um, I will tell you my honorable mention list this week is like 20 movies long, so that's going to be a me motor-mouthing for a couple minutes. But, yeah, District 9 is one that um, I have a lot of respect for Neil Blomkamp's design work and his kind of very unique vision. Um, he's ended up doing Elysium and uh, what was the other one he did? Chappie, which aren't as good, but they're still pretty decent sci-fi. Yeah. His decision on having, uh, you know, Zee Outward be the main characters in Chappie was kind of a stupid decision, but yeah. but at least they were somewhat decent, so... But, yeah, I I loved uh, District 9. Um, if you haven't seen it, give it a shot. Uh, some really, really cool cool ideas in that movie. So. For sure. Cool. All right. Number four. So my number four, um, going back to 1986, uh, this is a sequel. Um, I chose Aliens. Um, it's, I think, my favorite of all the Alien movies. Yeah, same here. Um, it has one of my favorite scenes um, in the entire film uh, franchise and that's when Ripley is fighting the queen alien thing with the giant uh, yeah with the giant mech looking bulldozer thing whatever it's called uh, the walker thing Um, which looked real yeah oh yeah um, and then just the design of the xenomorphs in this are again just beautiful to look at um, and it gave you that that dark horrible feeling of not knowing what to expect when you just turn around any corner anywhere it didn't matter where yeah, game over man game over <laughs> exactly and then like at the same time like you just have this hope that your your heroine's going to be able to take you out of this um and for cocaine but i mean you can you can like heroin it's fine um (laughs) you 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 have this hope that ripley is going to be able to save the day once again um because she brings this like level of humanity back to everything that most people in those situations would just be like, "Oh, f it, I'm, I'll do literally whatever it takes." And screw you guys, I'm going home. <laughs> humanity, much. who needs that? 
I'll worry about the Fallout later. Um, what was great about it is the fact that it took a very different feel from the first Alien. Yeah. The first felt like a horror movie. This was definitely more of a sci-fi action. Absolutely. And that worked for it. Yeah. And that's... I'll say Terminator was very similar. Mm -hmm. The first Terminator was definitely more of a horror movie. second was an action. And that's where yep. uh, James Cameron proves that he is a genius when it comes to... He's smart. ...jumping into a series. He, he's, oh, absolutely. He's yeah. also smart. It's like, I don't want to recreate the first one because yeah. people have already seen that. The first I one want, I want to take it further. Yeah. What, what will be the escalation? And did it pretty damn good. And one of the other things that I really liked about this, because um, anybody who knows anything about uh, film creation in the first place knows that most films are shot out of sequence in the first place. Yeah. Um, but James Cameron really wanted um, the very first scene when we see the colonial space marines uh, come, like, introducing themselves and, like, coming that, together yeah. and everything like that was actually the last scene to be shot. Yeah, so you felt the camaraderie. It exactly. felt real. Exactly, and that's what exactly what he was going for. And it worked, because it, it feels like they're just fucking around with each other. Exactly. Yeah. They've been on set all this time together. They're they, friends. <laughs> yeah, they, they're all friends at this point. So, um, like, they know what buttons they can push. They know exactly, like, the in-jokes. It's a beautiful thing, and... It felt natural. Exactly, and it's what we want to see whenever we think about, like any of like the military groups that we see in any movie because they're they've been together they've they've been through the shit together um you know <laughs> the best scene that kind of exemplifies it is uh i can't remember is it michael bear i want to say or uh, Bright or something sure. yeah one michael bn yeah or bean yeah however pronounce it but he they're in the drop ship you see their commander who's like only had one other mission before just freaking out and michael's just there <sighs> Snoring, falling asleep. Yeah, Hicks. yeah, he's just yeah. completely asleep, and it's hilarious. Yeah, and then Bill Paxton's character um, is just like, uh, what was his name? Um, oh, he's the game over guy. Yeah, yeah Hudson. Yeah, he's just sitting there going, "Oh yeah, man, this is gonna be great. Who's ready for this?" Woo! What, what I love, a fun little fact, is that uh, the woman who did the female uh, Vasquez, I want to say Vasquez, yeah, yeah. She showed up to the uh, to the audition, thinking that it was about uh, an immigration thing. So she came up in high heels and a dress and that sort of stuff against all these military fatigue dressed women. She's like, "Oh, I'm in the wrong place." But she was working out so much that her arms were on display, and Cameron's like, "I want to see you," and like she got it because her arms were just that ripped. That's awesome. And it's kind of, it's hilarious. The whole, she thought that she was coming in from an immigration thing, so she she dolled up like like she knew from uh, from a just personal experience, and it's kind of hilarious. Right. She still got the job. Exactly. And, I mean, it's still, the cool, other cool thing about this is that it brings um, those horror elements that we had from the first movie back in this, um, like it does with all the other Alien movies to an extent. But, like, the facehuggers are no less scary in this movie than they were in the first one. Yeah, like, aliens are actually terrifying because yeah, you've got yeah. these people who have been realistically kind of built up as just these badass, badass people. And they get destroyed. And yeah. it's terrifying. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they get literally reduced to basically being children again scared of their own shadow. When they've just been joking about similar stuff, it's like, complaining about, ah, oh, it's a bug hunt. Yeah. Not ten minutes ago. Exactly. And now they're like, 
Uh, Screw this, man. I just want to go home. I just want to go home. It so beautifully built it up that it felt like a realistic expectation that they'd be able to just wipe them. And then they get trounced, and it's completely 100% realistic terror. Absolutely. It was great. Absolutely. And, um, like, uh, Lance Henriksen, the guy who played Bishop, <laughs> like, I really, I love the character of Bishop. I think he's one of the, uh, I don't know why I, I'm, there's, so, there's something about the idea of having this character who's just like, yep, I've got this whole secret agenda thing going on that it's in my programming, there's nothing I can do about it, and, well, David. Yeah, exactly. Screw all of you, I'm just doing my thing. Yeah, the, the whole movie was definitely well put together. Yeah, and then Paul Reiser playing Burke again, being just a complete and total asshole. Um, because that's what his character is, working for Wayland Corp. Just... <laughs> oh, yeah, that was him. Oh, no. His mother hated him. Like, he hated his character. <laughs> he felt, he's, I, remember, I remember, like, in an interview with someone said how, how he thought it was so weird that his mother actively cheered when his character died. <laughs> right. And for me, that's that was a weird thing to hear, too, because, like, I grew up um, with my mom watching, like, Mad About You and stuff like that. Yeah. And seeing Paul Reiser and going... Wow, I really like him as like a character on that show. He's a really nice, genuine guy, and then he's a he's a complete and total dick, completely out of character from what I'm used to seeing. And then hearing that about his mom, I'm like, holy crap, that's what? <laughs> you know what? As sucky as it kind of is to hear that from a fan from a family member, it also means you're a damn good actor. Yeah, if you can make your own family hate your character that much, that would they cheer when they're dead, when a representation of their child dies, then they're happy. It's like, you win. <laughs> you right. won. But yeah. So that's my number four. Aliens, if you haven't seen it, what rock have you been living under? Go out and watch it. At this point, yeah. So. So, my number four is a... has had a recent remake done, but I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about Ghost in the Shell. Oh, the, the anime? Yes, I'm talking about the animated film, which I actually saw after seeing the live-action one. All right. I enjoyed the live-action one for what it was, uh, spectacle-wise. Visually, it was a great Visually, it was Absolutely. a smorgasbord. It, it had, like, some editing and some directing problems, but... Some of the story elements didn't quite mash up. I've said before, and I'll say it again, my biggest problem was in the first five fucking minutes, I knew what the end goal was going to be. I knew how it was going to go down. And I can almost guarantee that was edited in after producers saw the original take and said, I don't get it. Yeah. And it fucking annoys me. Yeah. Consequently. Thanks, Burke. I mean, yeah. Consequently, the original uh, anime movie was definitely a lot more, eh, we're going to throw you some stuff. Let's see how you think about it. <laughs> Again, still visually a smorgasbord. But it also took a very different route. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I again, this is I saw it second. I saw it after I saw the the remake with Johansson, and I liked it better. Hmm. I can't remember if I watched it in Japanese or English, but both are actually really good. Yeah. Both are both are both are quality, though there's some contention about how some things were translated from English. But then again, this was in '95, so it's not necessarily uncommon for some stuff to have been changed back then. It's a lot better than it, nowadays. 
Yeah, back then, anime used to be heavily not, not exactly censored, but they, like, a lot of Studio Ghibli, Ghibli films had this problem where they would cut out Japanese references because Americans are too stupid. They don't do that so much anymore, but well, a lot of Ghost in the Shell. Have well, well this, the, the biggest one I can think that they cut out, uh, that they cut out in recent stuff is Your Name. They cut out a whole thing about mm-hmm. uh, Japanese pronouns yep. because we do not have nearly as extensive as they do. So they just, are they, are they either replace it or they just cut that scene entirely. because they cut the scene. Yeah, because it just doesn't make damn sense in mm-hmm. English. Yeah. But this one, uh, no, it... It's a cyberpunk film, and I think the only one—it's like one of the key cyberpunk films. Period. Yep. It's it's a big one. I think it influenced Matrix. Very heavily, yeah. Yeah, and because you see, it's they're just—it's a robot body, and they treat it as such, <laughs> and so it's kind of creepy. All in all, definitely worth a watch. I don't know about the actual anime that followed uh, Standalone Complex. It was fine. I've watched Standalone Complex, and I like it. It's just it has some issues. Yeah, but if you're if you're into cyberpunk and you haven't seen Ghost in the Show, I definitely suggest it. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Um, it's still visually a treat, even in in the animated form. Yeah, for sure. Yep. All right. So my number four. That was fast. Uh, my number four is a. Uh, 2018 uh, super low budget $5 million Lee Winnell film called Upgrade. I need to watch that. I need to watch it. Yeah. Uh, Starring Logan Marshall Green as Grey Trace. Uh, Grey Trace, and if you've seen Venom, you've seen Upgrade. Just you saw the crappy version of Upgrade. You saw the downgrade of Upgrade. Um, The idea, (laughs) the whole idea of Upgrade is that it's slightly in the future, you know, probably 2025 or so, you know, where AI is starting to get there and cybernetics are starting to get there. So but, that'll be high, school, yeah. high, high like highfalutin uh, test to compatibility and all that sort of bullshit. Yeah. And like the the up, the physical body modification upgrades are starting to take over, which the name, where's the name come from? Where people are like able to get guns in their arms and like... <laughs> They load it into their arms and stuff like that. Full battle angel. (laughs) And, like, they're starting to get there. And I like that it's futuristic, but not super futuristic. But the idea is that Logan Marshall Green's character gets in a car accident, and his wife is killed, and he is crippled. Like, 100% crippled. I think he's shot through the spine or something. Yeah, quadriplegic? Yeah, quadriplegic in a wheelchair. And the guy who... uh, the guy played by Harrison Gilbertson, who I've never seen before, but he reminds me of other actors, um, offers him a upgrade chip that makes him able to walk. Gives him AI that controls his body. Guy says, yeah, sure, why not? Why wouldn't you at that point? Uh, he's, the main character is kind of a technophobe, similar to like iRobot, where he doesn't like technology, and he's like, no, I don't want it. But takes it, starts walking around and all this, but then the AI named Stem... Uh, starts talking to him and like gray can't control the body stems controlling the body gray's controlling the head so all the way through this and they start going after the people that killed his wife in these super brutal fight scenes where stem is like effortlessly precision killing people and 
Stem, stem, that guy's a knife. <coughs> Steals a knife. Yes, we do too. And then stabs him in the face, you know, just like these. The one I saw yeah. in the trailer, if nothing else, the actor did a phenomenal job of basically disassociating his head from the actions his body was taking and yeah. not making it cheesy or it's like anything. I saw that and it's like, oh my God, he is not in control mm-hmm. of his own body. And the body, like the hands will actually go and move the head because his gray can't control his neck. So he'll be like looking in one direction while the while the hands are hitting, but he'll turn the body so that he, or turn the head so he can see what's going on. And ultimately, Stem starts taking more and more control over it, and being like, "Well, my creator's trying to shut me down. You need to go to this address," and starts like forcing him to write stuff on his own arm so he can give code to a hacker that can get into his head and remove like certain firewalls that are there for other reasons. And it's like. It's this really interesting, like, symbiotic relationship between them, which is why I compare it to Venom. And, you know, the body doing things that the, the host doesn't understand. It's just such a cool mesh of technology mixed with this kind of just disturbing. Because there are times where this movie, yeah, a guy takes a, an arm shotgun blast to the face. Yep where it's stem tears a guy's arm backwards and then shoots him makes the guy shoot himself in the face his head just explodes it's basically a more graphic version of that of that whole grab the shotgun pointed up at the person who was wielding it and firing yeah except it's ripping some it's like breaking someone's arm putting putting a palm up to someone's face pulling the trigger on his elbow and his head just blowing to pieces it's like holy shit yeah i i knew i knew i saw when i saw it i was like i wanted to see it i don't remember why i didn't there are so many just scenes in this movie that are unbelievably well done and for such a low budget no name like lee winnell has done very very little else um He's, like, known as an actor. He's been in a whole bunch of James Wan movies. So, like, Insidious, Insidious 2, Saw. He's just, like, a bit player in all these. So the fact that this is his, like, first movie that he's done, and it's so damn good. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, one I, of my favorite scenes is where uh, he confronts this guy who had something to do with the accident. And he's just sitting there talking with him, and... They end up fighting that scene. That was the trailer scene, wasn't it? I think Is so. that the scene in the bathroom? Or no, he's no. just sitting there laughing at him and like, what the hell are you going to do, cripple? And he's like, okay, Stem, you can take over. <laughs> uh, no, no, it was the... Early on in the house? No, it was later on, um, just before he finds out about, um, like, the truth behind everything, the recording gets played for him. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, shit okay but that whole thing that fight scene where they're like two top people going at it because <laughs> and the head's just like what are we doing that sounds hilarious no 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 and like the the hands are moving the head out of the way of the knife trying to hit him and so exactly it's, it's, that sounds hilarious it was very very well done i loved it out of my i'm curiosity. starting to fall asleep gray <laughs> out of mild curiosity be happening off the top of your head how well did it do commercially? Uh, on a $5 million budget? You'd hope good. Uh, opening weekend, it made $5 million. It ended up making about $50 million. Oh, cool. It was a success. Yeah, it, it was a success. For, what, for what it was, yeah. I'd count that a high success. Yeah. 
And it, it's on, uh, I don't think it's on Netflix yet, but it's on various digital streaming sites. So. Yeah, I need to watch that. I know that. It was very good. All right. Ah, cool. Number three. All right. So going into my number three, and after I realized this, uh, after looking at my list, going in chronological order, um, somehow. That's kind of funny. Uh, of release, uh, coming out in 1993, uh, starring Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, is Jurassic Park. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think like everyone's childhood involves Jurassic Park at some point. Exactly. It was a little later because I was like three when that came out. And that would have scared the shit out of me. Yeah, so yeah. I was six. Uh, or sorry, seven when this movie came out. And um, I loved dinosaurs growing up, and I begged my mom to take me to see this film. And the second the Velociraptors. You're like, nope. Anything that happened with that, I like buried my head in my mom's like shoulder. And I'm like, nope, not coming out. <laughs> Anytime I heard a dinosaur, nope. And my mom's like, but it's a Brachiosaurus. It's 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 fine. It's a veggie sword. I looked at it, I'm like, okay. And then the stegosaurus, I'm like, okay. Or triceratops rather, I'm like, okay, I can deal with this. And then I'm like... The T-Rex. The T-Rex I was like... I was fine with. The T-Rex I was fine with. It was the Velociraptors. The Velociraptors creeped me out. And they the Dilophosaurus that, like, really creeped Dilop- me out. God, that freaked me out. The, the one... The, the spitter with spitter. The, the oh, this, oh, my God. Yeah, I remember that became me nightmares when I was a kid. So, and then I, like, freaked out. And then my mom was like, we're never doing that again. A few months later, drive throughs were still a thing. Our drive-in movies were still a thing. So we went to go see it again... And again, I'm like, oh, I'll be fine, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And again, I freaked out and buried my head in my mom's shoulder. And yeah. she's like, nope, never again. And I'm like, okay. And then uh, the movie comes out on VHS or whatever. <laughs> and my mom's like, no, we're not getting it. I'm like, but it's dinosaurs, mom. I'm better at this. I promise. I won't freak <laughs> out. And I, nope. from then on, I was perfectly fine. But I won't lie, I had a similar experience with zombie movies until about, like, Resident Evil came out. Yeah. Don't know why. I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, this was, like, the idea that dinosaurs were able to walk and move around with us. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. This is my dream. I want to do this. Um, and then for a short time, I really wanted to be uh, a paleontologist. I had that when I was younger. <laughs> and yet, the, at the time... Like, not only was the science more or less acceptable, but the uh, the CGI presentation and the, the, the practical effects are, are really yeah. good. Yeah. So that's that's where, and I've I've lauded this director. I've, uh, Steven Spielberg is oh, he's a genius, hands down. I think the best, like most masterful director out there. He's easily in the top five of all time. Oh yeah, he's oh, yeah. he's up there with Kubrick and uh, Hitchcock and you know, oh yeah, Toro, but, I even say yeah, he is he's the best director out there. But um, this is one of those movies that shows why he is because he took like CGI in ninety two ninety three was not good. Well, ninety two yeah. technically that was when it was made. Yeah, it, yeah. it came out in ninety three. Was not good. No. He has found a way to perfectly blend, and it doesn't hold up perfectly. The T Rex scene, when almost thirty years old. The the T Rex scene when it's coming out is very choppy. Eh, not as much as you'd think. It's like, not as much as you think, but it's very, but yeah. it, coming from nowadays, looking back, it's a little choppy. The 
Yeah, some of the, the stuff with the Brachiosaurus and all that, when they first see him and all that, it's like, oh, oh yeah, that's they do work okay. in her, like, whatever. Like, like, that's a little, like, oh, okay, but... You can tell a lot of effort went into it, though, because, oh, yeah. to be fair, that was the shot. That was right. the reveal shot. Yeah. And, and, and then I love the fact that, like, it heralds back to things like King Kong, and you're like, oh, God, what are we really getting ourselves into? And um, then you have, like, the... Uh, what was that guy's name? Richard Attenborough. Richard yeah, Attenborough. Richard Attenborough, yeah. Oh, he was a treat. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, when Richard Attenborough is, uh, you know, explaining everything, and then they're going through the tour of, uh, you know, the behind-the-scenes look at uh, everything. I still like the animation with the, D- with the DNA. It's still funny. Yes. I don't care. Oh, Mr. d and It's DNA, sir. No, it's not. Why are you saying d and It's not d it drove me up a lot when he said that. Um, but no, when we see uh, Dr. Wong for the first time, <laughs> I'm sitting there going, oh, this is great. This guy is like a cool guy. He's like doing all these things. And, and then when we finally get to again. later on and we're like, what did you do? You evil, evil man, you. We never see him again. I like to think he got eaten. <laughs> That had Samuel L. Jackson in one of his, where it was clearly one of his least foul mouth roles. Sorry, Doctor Wu, rather Doctor Wu. Yeah, it's like, yeah, Samuel L. Jackson's one of one of his least profanity laden roles. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no. Um, visually, it's beautiful. Uh, the it captured our my imagination as a kid. Um, and again, it. It really wanted. I really wanted this to be like a real thing that I could go visit one day. Yeah, there were characters. There were people. It wasn't just characters. They were people. Yeah, and everyone had their own goals and desires. Exactly. And the cool thing is, is like at that time, it was really starting to get into um, the cloning thing because a few years later we got Dolly. So I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, it was relevant. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's really cool thing. For you millennials out there that don't know what Dolly is, it's a sheep, and it was the first major cloning thing that ever took place. Uh, very controversial at the time, and still can be considered that today. So Only if you're religious, who gives a shit otherwise. Yeah, there you go. There's a little bit of history for you. Um, but yeah, that's my number three. Cool. My number three is... I want to say it was fairly recent. Hang on. Uh, yeah, 2014 movie uh doug lehman directed starring uh, tom cruise and emily blunt yep can it uh, okay well that's easy <sighs> that was on my honorable mentions and i'm just like well it's on someone else's list it's going to be it was yeah. a damn good movie so mine is my number three is a 2005 joss whedon film that's also a western <laughs> <laughs> made my honorable mentions sir randy yep uh yeah it was the first thing i had seen of uh of that whole universe was actually yeah. a movie. Same here, actually. I yeah, watched same. that and then I immediately went home and bought the DVD for uh, Firefly. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Serenity is the continuation of the TV show Firefly, which was canceled after 10 episodes because, you know, reasons and because they didn't start with the pilot episode. Uh, they screwed that. Oh, they screwed the production. They screwed that one, screwed that one hard. Uh, to me, Firefly is one of the best TV shows ever made, really. It just has such a good, like, 
camaraderie between the crew and it knows from the get-go what it wants to be everything was set from the beginning like i didn't feel like there was a weird feeling out period it's like no no this is how it's gonna be let's go yeah and it it runs with it and serenity just takes those characters put some time between them says they're friends this has happened in the interim you know shepherd book uh um, has gone off and done his own thing, and this these characters in they're family now. Yeah, they're friends, they're family. There's still contention between Simon, uh, the Doctor, and Mal, the Captain. Nathan Villian stars as Malcolm Reynolds, and you know Gina Torres, uh, Alan Tudyk. You know, there's Alan Tudyk's a treat. You'd recognize that most of the people in this cast you'd recognize from other things. You know, oh, Nathan yeah, Fillion's gone on to a bunch of different things. Lots of uh, crap. Yeah. Castle, his big one. Yeah, that, well, that was his big one. Uh, Alan Tudyk's been in a whole bunch of everything. stuff. Everything. Chiwetel Ejiofor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he won for 12 Years a Slave, but he was up for I Best Actor so. 12 Years a Slave. And, um, you know, the Rana Bachran's in Gotham. Adam Baldwin's been in a bunch of stuff. Jewel State is kind of... She's had a couple of kids. She stopped doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, she, Sean Meyer, Summer Glau jumped into a bunch of stuff you know it's yeah. like oh she was yeah she was in the uh the terminator uh, yeah she was yeah. Connor chronicles uh and karen was also in deadpool so oh yeah she's uh the wife the, the wolf interest here yeah oh god that's right mm-hmm. i knew i recognized her <laughs> yep i'm like yeah i finally get to see more of her <laughs> yeah goes from a companion to a stripper right i'm like wow she's just Keep him right She was also vein. the wife in Homeland. Yes, yeah. a couple of seasons. Oh, I see even more of her there, Tom. Anyway, um, I don't know. I didn't see that show. Oh, okay. Well, but I just like her as an actress. I think she's awesome. She does a great job. Yeah, I like. She shuts down Mal so goddamn Yeah, she does. Oh my god, yeah. and he deserves it. <laughs> but yeah, the the movie is definitely a western. It's it, streamlined. It's like a bunch of bounty hunters, basically, you know, doing whatever they do kind of thing you know there's it's outlaws and a ship you know and they land on desert planets and i don't know it's just overall it's just a very very well-made movie well it's uh, got a leather co- like a leather trench coat yeah kind of deal it's like it is so hard western it yeah not I mean, even you just has a sidearm and there's various times where people say like i'm i don't mean to harm you i'm unarmed good shoots him in the chest yep <laughs> it's like I'm, of course, wearing full body armor. I'm not a moron. That was <laughs> a great scene. But there are so many damn good lines. Like, uh, they have this big bank heist and all this. The thing goes wrong and a bunch of reavers, which are evil. Evil, like, insane people. And you've learned the backstory. Zombies that aren't zombies. Yeah, pretty much. Well, it's, rage, basically, it's like Rage and Fire. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. But they get to the end and someone that wasn't on the mission... Runs up to someone else who wasn't on the mission and said, Are you all right? Is he all right? (laughs) (laughs) Or, River, are you okay? I swallowed a bug. (laughs) Like, just these little. If you've ever seen anything by Josh Whedon, it's like, if you enjoyed anything by Josh Whedon, I highly suggest Serenity and Firefly. It's like, it is, honestly, Whedon, I think, at his peak. Like, hard, like, top Uh, tier there. I would say it's probably his best. He He did really well with the first Avengers. I thought yes. he did pretty well with that. Some of the humor got in the way, whereas this doesn't. This is definitely darker than Avengers. And well, I can think. I can think specifically of one spot where it gets really dark because the clown goes away. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he's no longer a leaf on the wind. But um, 
<laughs> yeah, Willie's well, a once that, stick. Once that, uh, once that <laughs> happens, like, I don't want to say the humor goes away, but it definitely takes it, a break. It takes a turn for the darker, and apparently that was like, uh, apparently this is encapsulating the second season oh, they wanted. It's basically, it's basically a, con- um, a, con- a condensation of everything they wanted to explore. Yeah. Them finding Miranda, the planet Miranda, um, was the end of the second season that was to be the final episode of the second season is finding out what Miranda is and the entire second season would be about trying to get to that point so I like that he was able to continue the story even if it wasn't exactly how we wanted to and I think it actually worked exceptionally well as a movie yeah Yeah. it's one that I jumped into this because I had heard Firefly coming out and I watched the pilot episode that they showed after the Super Bowl and it was like the second episode and I'm like well I'm confused and I stopped watching it because I was like well this is crap because they I have no idea what's going on because they introduce all the characters in the pilot then they just go nah and then jump into the second episode and yeah, I remember, when you watch it when you watch it in order the way it's supposed yeah. to that is definitely the biggest hurdle I think you can reasonably say yeah. is that it's like we've done this show in dance fucking move yeah so, but jumping into the second episode, you don't understand why they're afraid of the small girl. <laughs> and in the first episode, you find out that she's in like a storage crate for the first half of the episode. It's like it's kind of creepy. Man, yeah. I don't know. It's just one of those that I wish that I would love them to do something else in this world. I it had so much potential but, that just got buggered. And yeah. the thing is, is like. This is if you were to take Han Solo out of the Star Wars, like mythos, Malcolm Reynolds and Han Solo, I mean, they'd either yeah. they'd either yeah. get they either be the best of buds or they'd be the worst of rivals. Han Solo, but you yeah, know, it's I mean, like, like more. I'll shoot you in the back of you. Right, but I mean, like uh, Nathan Fillion literally said because he's such a huge Star Wars fan that he had modeled Mal after uh Han Solo. You can easily tell that, I mean, but it's also his own Reynolds is his own distinct character. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. And but like this is what I imagine like the adventures of Han Solo would have been like yeah. had yeah. we not had like the whole Jedi thing going on and all that all those weird other alien or honestly what they probably should have done they they probably should have done a serenity kind of with the solo movie. I swear on my pretty pink bonnet, I will end you. <laughs> the show and the show and the movie both have so many good, memorable lines. I That's think it was in the movie. It's like, tell me about, tell me about how Jane got taken out by a ninety-pound girl. Yeah, can we go back to the part where Jane gets knocked out by a ninety-pound girl? Because that's never getting old. <laughs> <laughs> like Alan Tudyk has some of the most greatest lines. Absolutely. I don't think we're gonna make it out of it. Well, I might. <laughs> Like, I think one of his first lines in the pilot was the whole the whole dinosaur thing. It's oh, oh here's your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Oh, oh no, oh god! <laughs> I'm laughing. Think of that guy. Yeah, he's he's just so great, and like all of them, like 100. I believe them. I yeah. believe them as characters. I believe them as people. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was ju- it was great. Yeah. So yeah, if you haven't watched Firefly or Serenity. I'm sure they're probably still on Netflix. They they were on Netflix for the longest time. I highly suggest watch them. them. Just yes. watch them. Yep. All right, number two. All right, so my number two uh, was uh, canned earlier from James. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow came out in 2014, as he said. 
based on all you need is kill. Yep. Light novel slash manga. Yep. Live, die, repeat. Um, Which would have been a great name, period, for the for the movie. It was I originally think. supposed to be the name, but they, they pulled the name because they thought it was too, like... Intense? Mm-hmm. No, the producers thought it wouldn't sell the movie, but then immediately they changed all the posters to live, die, repeat. It's like, okay. Yep. Uh, this is uh, Groundhog Day. Groundhog's Day meets uh, war meets meets war meets. It's basically uh, the invasion of Normandy. Yeah, yeah it's, it's World War Two meets Groundhog's Day. It's the yeah, opening it's scene of Saving Day. Private Ryan uh, meets uh, Groundhog's Day. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and it it's I think even they I think they're even invading France. Yeah, they are. So it's yeah, yeah it's literally France, yeah. yeah, it's literally it's, World War Two meets Groundhog's Day. Yep, it, it's and Saving it's Private Ryan. It's yeah. Seven Private Ryan meets Groundhog's Day. It, and it's brilliant. It is yeah. so great. The best thing to me personally is the fact that Tom Cruise's character does not start off like every other Tom Cruise character. I like that he's a coward. Yeah. He is just a cowardly sneak trying to do anything not to be involved he's in. He's the this. publicity guy. He's not the. It's so great, it's too. No. It's like he is that snake in the worm that you see trying to wiggling out of everything. And the general that, uh, that basically stonewalls him. Is that Brendan Gleeson? Yeah. I want to yeah. say, yeah. yeah. And he just stonewalls him. It's like, no, no, you fucked up. You're going over. Yeah. And you don't arrest this man. What? No. What? Oh. Uh, no. <laughs> he yeah. plays it so well, too. It's like... I love the I love his evolution. Yeah, he yeah of one hundred percent. It is it is a character arc in the barest boldest sense. Yeah, yep. He grows throughout the movie, as well as breaks throughout the movie. It is not a happy movie. No, and the cool thing is, is there's like uh, this mystery element that goes along with the sci-fi and the action that goes there yeah. because you're constantly trying to figure out okay. There's something going on. We don't know the whole story of it, and they're trying to figure it out themselves. And we get to go on this adventure with them and starting to figure things out. And there comes a point in it, like most mysteries, where you sit there and go, okay, I think I know what's going on. And then you're like, well, that didn't work out quite like I thought. Um, And it's really cool because it's, again, not something that you can just easily put together right off the bat. Um, and the action sequences are fantastic. I, I love seeing Emily Blunt kick the crap out of Tom Cruise. I haven't <laughs> laughed so hard at just a repeated dying sequence yep. since I think Supernatural. Yeah, yeah. Supernatural did the same thing to Dean, and just yeah. I'm laughing the entire goddamn time. Yep, the boot heel maggot. Because it's just so stupid, some of the ways he dies, and the noises he makes. What the hell is wrong with you, guy? He rolls out and gets run over by the truck. What the hell is wrong with you? Everything about it, it, it was just so great. And yeah, the great hero moment, moment of him running and then getting hit by a truck. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, okay, now we can go. Okay. <laughs> And just see, like, they don't take any time. Oh, man, son of a bitch. There's no extraneous scenes. Yeah, it's like, it really if, if he's doing something that we are seeing for the first time, there's a good chance it's at least the fifth time he's done it. Yeah, like, there's there's a great moment later in the movie when he 
they're going to the, like, the general again, I the think. farmhouse. Oh, that, yeah. No, the farmhouse, where they're, like, going to the farmhouse. And they're like, oh, they finally got off the beach. Awesome. And then they're, like, going through, they're looking for the stuff, and then he makes the casual reference of, oh, no, 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 you like sugar in your coffee. And she realizes, I've never told you that. Yep. And it's how many times have we done this, Cage? That whole th- scene was yeah. great. And it's, it's like, revealed that he has the keys, and he's not getting rid of the keys because she dies. And Yep. Yeah. And, and then it gets into that, not Stockholm, but just exposure in dangerous times sort of feeling. Of yeah. It's like, it's so great. And then... Uh, with with later on then uh, with the with holding up the general, it's like this is the first time we're seeing. But it's like no no don't shoot him again. <laughs> it's like just an aside yeah. to her. It's just like what? <laughs> it's like how many times have you done this, buddy? Yeah. And he's just so calm. He knows exactly what's going on. But this is the first time we're seeing it. Yeah. And I love that the they they let the the they, they let the viewer decide for themselves oh he's done this how many times to make sure it goes well and they let you think it's what's so great about it and I honestly like at the ending where spoiler warning it was like it all ends before it starts because time travel fucking sucks <laughs> yeah. but he he never, he never gets into the pr- problem he did in the first time so he's going there as almost a celebratory thing he meets up with uh, Emily Blunt's character and he's in full regalia and not disgraced so she actually uh, is kind of uh, sir it's like almost uh, def- deferring to him mm-hmm. which is not the situation he was in the entire rest of the movie and mm-hmm. he laughs and that's that's the cut, and it's like it's such a great ending. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and actually, there's ma- they're making a follow up called "Live Die Repeat and Repeat." Really? Oh, I'm curious. Uh, it was changed to "Live Die Repeat and Repeat" instead of um, "Edit Tomorrow Too" because people responded better to "Live Die Repeat." It's on the poster. The yeah, they've decided to. It's a great line. It's a great. It's a great uh, title. They decided to change it up to li- like legitimately live, die, repeat because of how well it was responded. Oh, it's it's better great. than all you need is kill. All you need is kill. The original book, the book had issues. It's I a light novel. It. It's a light novel. Ninety-nine percent of light novels have an issue. But like, it hits a point where it's just we need to wrap this up. Just have them fight. Good enough. But it's I really love the movie. No, it was it was a narrative that it told a yeah. story. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that was my number two. What's your number two? My number two goes from convincing, wonderful story arc to complete cheese. <laughs> the fifth element. Yep. Nope. I'm Yeah. I'd be very surprised if it was Devin. I'm gonna say that right fucking now. I enjoyed the movie, but I. So you remember movies that you forgot? <laughs> that was one I forgot. Yep. Uh, 1997 that long i did not realize wow. that english language french science a- science fiction action film directed and co-written by luke basson yeah luke basson's made a few appearances Besson. yeah basson uh, basson it's french He's made a few it's french i should probably i should probably drop more consonants than i am because <laughs> french uh it's also the second one with uh Jovovich in it yep that we've mentioned today not in this yeah. not in the not this in the actual list better performance yes oh boy it was her first I think 
Was one of. One of her. Uh, yeah, Bruce Willis, Gary Oldman again. He's been popping up a lot, actually. Pops up a lot. And Jovovich. Hilariously enough, Oldman only appeared in this as a uh, as a favor to someone. And he doesn't look favorably on it, but I love it. (laughs) Yeah. It's a it's a B movie celebrating all those B science action movies. It's so stupid and great. Yeah. I love it. I enjoy it, but it's one of those that I It's not good. I'm not saying it's good. No, it's it's a dumb, fun popcorn movie. It's like Demolition Man. You don't watch it because you want an engaging story. You watch it because you want dumb shit blowing up and awesome times. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. uh, the director actually wrote the beginnings of it when he was 14, yeah, which sure. explains a lot. You mean the one? I'll say that the product, the design of the aliens in the beginning are terrible. Yeah, they are. They are so dumb looking. Whereas like everything else in the movie at least looks decent, but those originally. I will also say the opera scene was kind of cool. Yeah, Yeah. like, and I think Chris Tucker's character, as annoying as they are, not bad. Like, no, uh, Ruby Rod. Yeah, like he was actually he was annoying shit, but that was kind of the point. Yeah, Yeah. he was a he was a a DJ. He was he was a a personality. Yeah, Yeah. and you show you you saw that immediately because he's over the top loud and all that stuff. But the second the uh, the the it's light like starts talking. Yeah, it's like it's oh. like it's a whole it's a flip, and it's like huh, and it worked. <laughs> I also love the interactions between him and Corbin Dallas, Bruce Willis' character. Corbin Dallas. Oh my god, <laughs> it was so. The movie as a whole was just again, it's not good, <laughs> it's not great, <laughs> but it's fun. <laughs> Corbin, my man, he he he, he moving. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, just that whole thing where he's trying to pat the bullet. Well, they can fix that, right? It's like, no, no, they can't. You, buddy. you just shot him in the head. I'm pretty sure he's dead there. Yeah. Uh, the whole character. Yeah, it. It's honestly one of Chris Tucker's better roles. As other than weird as it sounds, other than Rush Hour Rush One and Two, yeah. he hasn't really done much else. I think he did what Friday. Yeah, he was in that series. He was fine, but. Yeah, he doesn't. He hasn't done much. No, he he hasn't. But he has a lot of respect for Chris Tucker outside of like Rush Hour. But he also hasn't, <laughs> hasn't needed to because he no. probably. He's, he, I'm hoping he's been smart with the money. Well, we'll see. Well, he did. He did stand up. So yeah, that like, too. Chris Tucker. Sure, I'm. I'm. Was I'm sure. Was Shanghai Nights? No, no, you're thinking Owen Wilson. That's Owen Wilson. No, I thought he had like a no nope. small little. Like, he might have had a walk thing. Though, if he but... did, I don't remember it. Or, was, so. or am I thinking like the oh I'm sorry he was 16 when he started when he started writing the story he was 38 when the film opened in cinemas Jesus yeah well like yeah. Luke Besson is also the guy who did Valerian which you know it was him yeah I think so I liked Valerian that made my honorable mentions but yeah Luke Besson's one of those that's He's oh, weird. God, he goes from doing great movies to just doing some really weird, bad movies. So. They appeal to him. Like, I, I have respect for him. He, he does good movies, but there's so many that are just... They fall Exist. Yeah. <laughs> they exist. Uh, yeah, I, again, I'm not saying Fifth Element is a great movie, but I have a good time whenever it's yeah, on. Like, and that's I'll all I care about. watch it for a little bit, but the second half of the movie, I just kind of like, yeah, I'm good. No. Like once they once they exit the uh, the the paradise the paradise ship, yeah, like the cruise liner. That's where it's kind of like, eh, you know what? I can turn this off. Yeah, there's like it's one of those movies that I've seen 
I'll see on TV and I'll watch for a little bit and then I'll be like, ah, there's better things to watch. So, yeah. But I do enjoy it. All right. What's your number two, Devon? Well, we go from hyper comedic. (laughs) It's uh, cheese. It's cheese. To the complete opposite end of the the sci-fi spectrum with the 2006 Alfonso Cuaron movie. Uh, Children of Men. You know what? I don't think there's a harder turn we could have made. Yeah, no, really can't. <laughs> Go from light-hearted happy movie to the most depressing, the most depressing, like, dystopian film you could ever go to. Uh, Children of Men, starring Clive Owen, directed by by the unbelievably talented Alfonso Cuaron, um, is set in 2027, where... Women have become infertile and haven't had a child in 18 to 20 years. Oh. And it starts with the youngest kid on the planet dying. He becomes, like, famous because, you know, the last baby ever born. But it's it follows Clive Owen and uh, Julianne Moore. And, again, Chutel Ejiofor, for those of you who remember my last pick. He was the one who played the operative. Now he plays a character named Luke. Um, but they are tasked with getting a young woman who is the only person that had a, that's ever had a baby within the last, she is currently pregnant. That's right. I, this and is a darker movie. Like, not, not even just darker, darker, but just like lighting wise, it's a darker yeah. movie. Isn't oh it? yeah. It is very dark just all around. And it's the goal of this movie is to get her out of the country because she's an illegal immigrant in England and they massacre them on site. Yeah, dark. And she's pregnant. Yeah, doesn't it have like a 10 minute long scene where you're just following Owen's character as like a battle is going on? Um, well, there's two. And this is where the cinematographer, let me pull it up. Uh, Dude, Emmanuel Lubezki. For I, those of you. Uh, uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah, Emmanuel Lubezki. My uh, character name for my last show. But I I've. S- but I remember seeing, if nothing else, the one sh- mm-hmm. the, the, the There are two one shots. And it's like, oh my god. One of the wonders is set inside of a car. Uh, Clive Owen, Julianne Moore, Chilotel Ejiofor, and a couple other characters, the pregnant woman and like the caretaker, are in the car. And it starts with Clive Owen and Julianne Moore like popping uh, a um, ping pong ball between each other's mouths just as a way to pass time. <laughs> and they pull up to like a wreckage of a car. And then they get attacked by people on motorcycles, people on cars. And basically, they're in like a forest and all this and pull out and like they're driving down and opening the door and knocking a motorcycle and it flying away. But the camera is moving amongst the people inside the car. The camera's not small. And this car, the camera will go directly up to the driver and go around the driver and then go into the back seat. And the camera is just like floating around. And you're like, how the hell are they shooting this? And you realize it's a 10 minute long shot. Someone gets shot through the front seat or through the window, hits in the front. And the camera is like, then goes right through the front windshield. And it's all of this really intricate movement with the camera. How are they shooting this? I saw that and it reminded me heavily of Raid 2. Yeah, that car. It's scene. just that scene done better and longer. Not not to say that Ray Two was bad. No, the Ray Two was done they, extremely well. They but upped it. This is a lower budget movie. This is not a huge budget. 
how are they shooting this? And they actually built a platform all around, around this car, and the camera crew was on top of the car, literally driving with driving the car while the actors are doing their thing. Because if the camera sweeps over, the person that looks like they're driving the car has to lay their seat down so the camera can go around them, and then they pop the seat back up. But they shot all this in one take. That is smooth. I think they ultimately had like three or four takes. Well, yeah, you, you, you hope to get the It's first in one. one shot. And the camera then leaves the car, and that's the only hidden cut in this entire scene. Because then the car drives away, and you see, like, dead cops on the road and all this, and it's just, how did they shoot that? But the other one, the one I was talking about, the battle. is a battle scene following Clive Owen, the pregnant girl who I think is going into labor or something during this it's scene. It's close. I know. Or that. just had a baby. I can't remember if it's before. She hasn't, she hasn't had the, the kid. No, the baby just had, because she then ends up walking through the crowd with the baby, and everyone stops, and that's what breaks the fight. Baby, yeah, that's yeah. right. But it's them, Chiwetel Ejiofor's character, I think, steals the baby, and it's all about Clive Owen running after, trying to get it back. And it's like a literal war zone, just bombs going off. There's a and tank. Tanks firing and all this, but it's all camera following after him, going through, yep. and then like people getting shot, and like blood spraying on the camera and actually they had to digitally erase the blood because it wasn't supposed to hit the camera <laughs> but it's like all this and going into a hospital and then coming out of the hospital and following clive owen holding the baby that's been the MacGuffin for this entire scene all in one shot and it's another 10 minute long scene that is just gorgeous it goes into buildings out of buildings up through fighting and guns and bombs going off and like you, had, you just had no idea how they shot this thing. I know they had a couple retakes they had to do too. Oh, yeah. So reset had to be a bitch. Reset was a bitch, and they actually they do hide a couple of minute cuts. But yeah, anyway, like Children of Men is just one of the most solid sci-fi movies out there, and it is so dark. Holy shit! Like there is no hope in this movie. Like. For those of you who haven't watched it, it doesn't end on a happy movie or a happy ending. Like, the ending is depressing. The entire movie is depressing. Everybody dies. It's not happy. But, like, the But it's art. The baby is the only hope in this entire movie, but it's so well done. Jesus, it's a great movie. And it's one of those that came, got, like, a bunch of award nominations, hopefully won something. I hope um, Lubezki won for, for cinematography for this movie, but Jesus. Like, like the re my character was Victor Lubezki. He was named after Emmanuel Lubezki for a reason. Lubezki is the best cinematographer working right now, up there with Roger Deakins, who does, like, Skyfall, and, and Janusz Kaminski, who works with Steven Spielberg. They're, like, the three best cinematographers, and he deserves every all the credit for this movie. So, his stuff is, you know... As well as Alfonso Cuaron, who's just an absolute genius. So who let Lebesky work? God, the the two of them are just absolute geniuses. So that's a so. good. That, that's that's when you know you've got something good. Is that not only are they good, they know when to let someone work. Yeah, that's why Spielberg is a phenomenal director, but he also knows how to get people that are top at their game. Spielberg surrounds himself with people that are amazing at like, what they specifically and compliment do. him. Yeah. And that's that, where, yeah, that's where the genius comes from. Is he yeah. knows he can't do everything, so he does what he does phenomenal and surrounds himself with people that do their shit that he can't do better. And that's the thing. That's what 
uh, the whole job of a director is, is to be able to get the best out of the people work you're, that are working for you. Synergize everything. That's most people think it's most people think it's only about like actors. No, the director no. has to surround himself with everybody. Absolutely. Oh no, you got it. If you have a great acting but shit editing, oh god, yeah. Or even yeah. let's go the reverse, though I wouldn't call them bad. If you've got decent actors but you've got a good editor, look at yeah. the first Star Wars. Yeah, that got re-edited into what is now considered a classic masterpiece that redefined a genre. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little surprised we're not hearing that on this list, but okay. Yeah. Anyway, the one like, I put on here, I don't I don't consider a sci-fi film so much as another genre entirely. Yeah. Kind of like you can Fantasy. make the case... Yeah. yeah. Kind of like you can make the case for uh, Serenity. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, if we ever do a Western, well, I'm screwed. Cowboys and Aliens might actually end up in my top five. Oh, God. I hate that movie. So, not many Westerns out there I like, and I just burn Serenity. So. I love my show. But yeah, my number two, Children of Men. There's very little that will ever top this movie. It just so happens that my favorite director has a sci-fi movie, so. Yeah. Ba- bias. Bias. I, I'm After this list, I'm out of movies for my favorite director. He's only done five of them. So, and that's the five. five. <laughs> All right. So, so Alfonso Cuarón is also one of my favorites, and he's been on my list a couple of times. So, also Uh-oh. shout out to Gravity. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. It was really well done. It was a movie. Alfonso Cuarón and another, uh, another um, Emmanuel Lubezki movie. So, um, so moving on to number ones. Uh, my number one is um, from 2015, uh, starring uh, Matt Damon, Jessica Chastain, Kristen Wiig, Kate Mara, Jeff Daniels, Michael Pena, Sean Bean, Sebastian Stan, uh, Chuidal Ejiofor, hey! Benedict Wong, Donald, uh, Donald Glover, and the list goes on and on. Um, directed by Ridley Scott, uh, oh, The Martian. Um, after all that, can't no. Uh, <laughs> after all that, uh, yeah, I'm just, the one where we watched Mad Damon slowly go insane. Is ah, Interstellar. Wait, nope, no, no, no. Um, Dog no, Pop. Nope, no. Uh, hang on. <laughs> what are the movies? Oh, uh, Same Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, it's a whole movie about trying to get Mad Damon back, <laughs> which also had Nathan Fillion in it for a brief second. Yes, it did. And Vin Diesel. Yep. Oh God, that's right. Re- no, that's the whole yeah. <laughs> Yep. Um. So. Uh, this movie puts the cap on our movies where uh, we find out the United States as well as the world spends uh, billions and billions of dollars trying to uh, save Matt Damon's life Um, and yet another for yet another thing uh, this time (laughs) (laughs) this time Matt Damon God yeah he he he, we shouldn't let Matt Damon go anywhere. He just gets in trouble, goddammit. Right. Save him there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this time he uh, gets left for dead um, because his crew forgets that uh, thinks that he got killed yeah. uh, while trying to escape a giant storm uh, on Mars and come home. Uh, and he is left there for uh, about a year and a half um, on his own to try to survive till he can get help to him. It is um, an interesting film. Absolutely. Based on the book by Andy Weir. Yep. And uh, it's... I've heard the book. It's a very good book. The movie is a damn good adaptation. 
I have not read the book. I it's on my list of things to eventually read. <laughs> if um, we were sponsored by Audible, it would be one of the things that we could say. Absolutely. Um, maybe one day. I listen to it on Audible. We're not brought to you by Audible, but you know. Maybe one day. So <laughs> Audible, if you're listening, maybe. Um, but uh, overall, the movie has a does a great job of taking one guy and having him be the primary focus of a film um, and ha- keeps your attention the entire time without it getting like boring or dragging or anything like that. Uh, the, he, he makes jokes. He makes you actually care about his character. Um, the strength is in Matt Damon's acting. 100%. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Which he, is, he, he carries the movie because he has to carry the movie. Yeah, it's exactly. Movie. Um, and for once, not gonna lie, it's nice to see Sean Bean not dying in this, dying in a film. Spoiler, bro! Come on, that would be kind of funny though. <laughs> It'd be great if he's like the only person to die in the movie. And it's like, well, damn, <laughs> right? Well, damn, you killed the Sean Bean. Can we continue? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh no, Sean Bean's dead. You bastards! How'd he die? Errant golf ball. What? <laughs> Explosive decompression. Don't know how. <laughs> he was on Earth. I'm confused. Don't like. He was hit by an ass. He was hit by a toilet seat. Yeah. <laughs> Don't like me reference him. Oh God. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, Don't like me. And uh, so, like the whole cast, when the whole crew is together, they have a great dynamic that works <laughs> well together. Um, the characters of uh, Jeff Daniels. And Christian Wig, while they are small um, in are this notable. film, are very notable. And uh, I love the Lord of the Rings reference in here, and how uh, is that Donald Glover that does that? Or no? um, well, it's it, he introduces the idea of Operation uh, Elrond. Oh um, yeah. And oh. Christian Wig comes in and goes, Elrond, what's that all about? And so uh, Benedict Wong. Um, Sean Bean, Jeff Daniels, Donald Glover, uh, and Chudo Ejiofor are all standing there. And uh, they're like, it, it's the secret council of Elrond from Lord of the Rings. And Jeff Daniels blurts out, well, if this is going to be the secret council, I demand to be Glorfindel. <laughs> I'm like, yes, the one character who got cut from the movie. Uh, for Lord I remember us uh, going off about that at some point in the past. Right, exactly. And the fact that Sean Bean is in that scene, and he was Boromir in Lord of the Rings, I just thought was... Which is, if I remember correctly, the only one of the Fellowship to die. Yes. Yeah. Yeah! yeah. Only one of the Fellowship to die. Good he, job, Sean Bean. He's one of the only notable characters, period, to die that isn't evil. It's okay, it's not like he ever... He was, like, the first major character to die in a, in a TV show or anything. Um, right, oh, yeah. Snap. I guess he's number two after the... The dragon, anyway. Right, um, so, uh, or the dire wolf, I guess. It's Eris. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, the visuals in the movie are stunning. Um, the fact that this, one of the reasons why this movie is number one on my list is because of the fact that, uh, in all actuality, um, a lot of this tech actually exists, and it's not too far off from actually possibly becoming something yeah that's the thing i can i can never remember how uh accurate i guess is the best word this one is apparently pretty accurate yeah pretty hard science yeah and it's it's pretty hard science yeah yeah and the cool thing is is um yeah while they are on mars and we're still a few years away from doing that 
with people like Elon Musk and SpaceX and things like that. Yeah, I was going to say this. I could see it happening. Yeah, where it's actually being um, in our privatized. In our lives. Yeah. yeah. A mission to Mars in our lifetime is a plausible thing. Yeah, it's point. not it's not uh, out of the realm of possibility. No, yeah. not by any means. And that's one of the things that really strikes me as, wow, okay, um, so this might be a thing. Um, maybe not to this extent by any means, but like um, the fact that there's also a, a show on, I think it's Netflix called uh, Mars. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it was like a... Uh, HBO or something like that show originally. Uh, yeah, but the ta- but the fact that you could possibly forecast a manned expedition to Mars in yeah. the next decade yeah. and not be called crazy is in itself astounding. Yeah, yeah. and that is re- what really like resonates with me is um, science fiction as we know it usually is a pretty good precursor to a lot of the tech that we have now. Kind of um, Star Trek stuff. Exactly. Um, yeah. So that being said, like that's one of the things that really resonates with me. Plus the fact that it's just a fantastic movie all around. Yeah. So that's yeah. my number one. <laughs> my number one again. Uh, you might notice a trend. I go for more of the soft science, action, cool, awesome stuff. Uh, we brought up earlier, 1991 science fiction action film produced and directed by Cameron. James Cameron, who also co-wrote it with William Wisher. Mr. Schwarzenegger. Okay, that's what I thought. Linda Hamilton, Robert Patrick, and Edward Furlong in Terminator 2, Judgment Day. That was on my list for the longest time, but I'm like, you know, if someone doesn't say it, damn. <laughs> I I saw this movie when I was a kid, when I was, I was young. And the fact of the matter is, my parents didn't want me watching uh, the first Terminator, because I saw T2 first. first one's definitely more of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, is that because of what happens in T2, they knew that I would ask, like, why is he the bad guy? He's a good guy. I would be questioning this sort of shit until I was older and understood that, oh, yeah. Like, I would understand narratively. Yeah, yeah. I, but it's, it's like, it's such a good film. And most people think of it as the shooting action shove, especially with the latest dribblings. Yeah, from, the last few have been pretty bad. Uh, from I still say three was entertaining, but what not good. I enjoyed three. I thought it was fine. But I liked the idea of the endoskeleton, exoskeleton thing. The whole yeah. thing with two is just so entertaining. It's yeah. like Robert Patrick is underrated with how fucking phenomenal he does. Is that the guy that played, like, Edward? You know, different? Okay. Yeah. yeah, he is 100% underrated with how much of a damn good job he did yeah. as the T-1000. Yeah. He doesn't blink when he fires his gun. Mm-hmm. He does not blink. And he's got that... He does in this what uh, Schwarzenegger did in the first one. He looks like just a machine. Yeah. Fun fact, uh, the kid who plays John Connor, Edward Furlong, I want to say, yeah, I Edward, hope is Edward kid. Furlong, yeah. When he was driving away on the motorcycle, they wanted him to go slow because obviously you're supposed to be catching up or like keeping pace. <laughs> Patrick actually caught up and grabbed him because he wasn't going fast enough. Yep. It is such an 
there's so many little stuff like that just etched throughout it. Yeah. The scene where he showcases exact the the metal just walking through the bars still looks good today. Oh yeah, that's another one. Just like Jurassic Park, the the animation. Of, there's things here and there, but it's supposed to be like when he goes fully metal, it's a little yeah. Mm. yeah. But I mean, you think about it. That and Jurassic Park came out within a year of each this other. This was ninety-one. So this was, years of each other. It was ninety when it was being mm. made and CG'd and. It still holds up yeah. damn well. You today. have to go to certain directors to make CG work, and James they Cameron, James Cameron, Spielberg, Spielberg. They went to, yeah. they went to who who would do it well. There's actually a really funny thing where you see, uh, you see the the T1000 when he's in the helicopter. He loads a gun while he's still piloting. It looks like an error, but if you watch it, he's actually grown a third arm. Yeah. To reload while he's still controlling the helicopter, mm-hmm. and it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, a, it's just a all quick these things that you would never, that people don't even think about, and they actually did it. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. And of course, you've got uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but he goes on to play Henry in uh, Eureka. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Yeah, he's yeah. the uh, he's the guy that they get to blow himself up <laughs> the uh doctor yeah scientist like, like that whole scene where he's just holding the weight above the above the detonator is chilling in its own way because <laughs> it's like holy crap I, I also feel really bad because uh God, that family's never gonna get their papa back yeah, not really and the amount of effort that linda hamilton put into showing that she took everything that happened in the first one seriously is remarkable and praiseworthy. Yeah. That that scene with the, the when you first get, see her where it focuses on her bicep was purely to show off how much effort she put in. Yeah. And it shows. Yeah. Well, moving on then. My number one, surprising no one, is the 2013 Edgar Wright film. Uh, yep. World's End. Uh, well, I've talked enough about Edgar Wright over the weeks. Uh, I did, I mean, Baby Driver and Hot Fuzz were my action list that may or may not come out. You cheated. Yeah, I couldn't decide. Um, Shaun of the Dead was in my horror, I think. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, and then, um, uh, Baby Driver, or uh, not Baby Driver. Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim was in my comic book. So, I'm out of... Edgar Wright films, but World's End is not my least favorite Edgar Wright film. It's hard to say which is my least favorite, but it's of the the Cornetto trilogy. You know, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, it's World's End. It's hard to say because I all, I love all three. So okay, let me pull yeah. phrase that. For me, it's the weakest. Yeah, I, I think, but it's also the one I've seen the last least of. The I would three. probably say Hot Fuzz is my least favorite of the three. Hmm. But I absolutely love. Uh, world's end um the story a bunch of friends tried to do a um pub crawl about 12 pubs got about halfway through failed when they were like teenagers um now when they're bordering on 40 they're like fuck it let's do it again they try to do it again turns out that the body has been replaced with robots with blue stuff inside of them the visual comedy and, in the in the yeah. movie alone is just yeah. the, the the visual presentation period yeah. is just so good. How you make the joke that someone has uh, 
basically sworn off alcohol. Do you have them comment on it, or do you show four beers and a water and then go, are you kidding me? That's like that's like a lion eating some hummus. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the visual presentation of that joke alone catapults uh, ever, yeah, ever that, right above a thousand people. That's where Edgar Wright does visual comedy so much better than any American comedy director nowadays. There are so many comedy directors that would just give you... He is drinking water. Haha, <laughs> water. Instead of, like, showing the... Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I want to touch on is, again, the damn cinematography. This entire movie is shot so well oh, yeah. by a guy yeah. named Bill Pope. Now, I, I mentioned Bill Pope when we did... Um, Scott, when I mentioned Scott Pilgrim, but I also want to point out that he is the cinematographer for Matrix. Oh, that explains a lot. He did Matrix, he did Spider-Man 2, uh, he's done a bunch of movies that I didn't even realize he did. He did um, uh, World's End, obviously. He and if it wasn't primary, he was, if wasn't, driver. Yeah. If it wasn't a primary, he was definitely heavily influencing. Mm -hmm. He's the one who did the Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions, which, for everything that you can say about him, they're right were very well shot yes um but he's this kind of really underrated cinematographer and that's not a bad thing but it's also kind of like hey you wish you were well more well known. yeah and it's one that the other person i have to sing any praise for is a guy named stephen price now stephen price is the composer he yeah. hasn't done a whole lot he did gravity which has a great score he did baby driver which doesn't have a score. He doesn't have a was, score, but he did, he did yeah. well with the timing and all that. He also did Fury, and he most recently did um, Wonder Park, which nobody saw. So, <laughs> But I just have to point out, Stephen Price is a phenomenal composer, and I wish he gets more roles, cause, or wish he gets more jobs. Because um, he did, there's a song in it called Put the Pint Down, because Gary King, the main, or uh, Simon Pike's character, is an alcoholic, maybe a suicidal alcoholic. This is his best friend saying put the damn pint down we need to fix this and it's all about how just everything breaks and he just runs for it and it's just such a well done scene the score is perfect so i don't have a whole lot to say about world's end um i've mentioned it throughout the times and other things and it is on par with the rest of um Edgar Wright's movies. And so. maybe eventually we'll look back on that and other stuff we've talked about more in depth because yeah. I think that's kind of where we're starting to shoot. Yeah. Um, I think moving forward we're going to start talking in a little bit more in depth about various movies and what we like about them and I've already go a little bit too in depth in these. So, yeah. so we figure drop the number of movies, drop a little bit of the format and just kind yeah. of explore in depth what, pick, what makes... Pick a director and then say why we like that director or something like that. But... But yeah, uh, really quick, let's run down some honorable mentions. Um, I do want to point out that I already mentioned Minority Report and War of the Worlds. I can't say those because I did some other things. So, uh, what honorable mentions do y'all have? Me? Uh, I'll just run down my list. Uh, Jurassic Park was on it. It's on mine. Uh, Snowpiercer? It's on mine. It's a great film. Great Very film. dark. Bong Joon Ho. The Matrix was on my on my menu. That was my number four for the longest time, and it was kicked off by Upgrade. It says a lot. Men in Black. Oh, mine. Didn't like mine. Rogue One, which is the one I think it's like, it's more, I think of it more as a war film than a sci fi. Though it's easily sci fi because it's Star Wars. I have a, I have a director's other movie on here. Uh, yeah. Looper. 
<laughs> and uh, the last one, Galaxy Quest. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. That, that, yeah, that's that's such a Evans was the director of either that word Evans, whatever. Was he? Was yeah. the director of um, Rogue One. So uh, my honorable mentions were Ex Machina. It's online. Uh, Serenity. Minority yes. Report. Avatar. Red Player One. What? Gattaca. Men in Black. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Back to the Future, Snowpiercer. Back to the Future? I thought yeah. about it, but uh, you know what? I like it more as a trilogy than any one separate movie. I like the first two. The third one's pretty weak. Yeah. It um, is, but I like the way it caps everything off. Yeah. I reference the first few thing all the time. 2001 A Space Odyssey, yeah, Tron Legacy, and Alita Battle Angel. Tron Legacy I, is on mine, and it's only for the score and the amazing visuals. And then Alita is on mine. I didn't put it on mine just because I haven't let it settle yet. Fair. I have a lead on mine, but I pur- purposely like him holding it off for the same. I, I say that when yeah. I put Tao on, but the only reason I put Tao on was because I'd already done Ex Machina. Yeah. Alita is my favorite of the year so far. Yeah, easily. Um, it's it's, uh, it's it, At least until this week. I'm expecting right. Endgame to not get the fuck off. Yeah, I think Endgame will probably end up just in, like, I love all the rest and then set it over to the side. In um, yours? My list. So, Jurassic, Jurassic Park's on here. Um, I'm just gonna start from the top. Inception. Yep. Yeah. Said it yeah. before. I loved Inception. Coherence is on here. Alita, Matrix, Tron Legacy, The Martian, Edge of Tomorrow. Ready Player One made mine as well. Uh, I was very close to putting it up at the top, but you know, um, The One with Jet Li. Okay. Um, iRobot, Ghost in the Shell, the both the anime and the remake. So I actually do enjoy it. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh wow. Because <laughs> I just think that's a really geniusly made movie yeah it's not much of a sci-fi but it's a geniusly made movie um snowpiercer ex machina attack the block okay um which is a very underrated movie same director as kid who would be king um limitless with bradley cooper okay looper oblivion tom cruise yep blade runner and blade runner 2049 valerian and whatever the rest of that title is jurassic park and then minority report and war of the worlds yeah also AI. Yeah, the other thing I could say is I probably it, if I hadn't used them from before, I could have put the thing Event Horizon and the Pandora. thing would be on my list, but and Pandora. But like again, I, I use those for either thriller or the horror ones, which yeah. fit better with it. Yeah. You could easily put them in a sci-fi. Yeah, absolutely. So those are our sci-fi lists. Uh, we're going to be changing it up next week. Uh, we'll let you know moving forward. Um, but this week, the only big movie to come out and any other movie coming out is absolutely suicidal. Is uh, Endgame? Yep. I feel bad for anything that's coming out. <sighs> I feel bad for any movie that just came out that is a comic book movie that has to go up against Endgame and lost to it, lost other movies already. I'm about yep. to say it's already. So it's I'm gonna already just in. tell you, Hellboy lost against Little. Yep. What? And Shazam on its opening weekend. Yep. And secretly, I'm laughing because Hellboy, you're stupid. In multiple ways. So well, anyway, it came in between Shazam and Endgame. That's kind of a yeah. That's kind of a bad ballpark. <laughs> it should have come out like three months ago in the dumping run that is February. Yeah. But whatever. Um, anyway, moving forward this week, end game. Um, we'll be back next week with our, most likely just what we thought about end game. Yeah, yeah. honestly, if we've all seen it, it'll probably just be an end game. It'll probably just be end game. Um, not much is coming out the week after because end game. Um, and it was the it was a, the original release date of end game, but they pushed it forward. Which they do every year. So, uh, anyway, after that, uh, we'll probably figure out what we're going to do. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we'll see you next week. Uh, my name is Devin. I'm here with Tom, James, um, and this has been in the Can Podcast. We will. You will hear us next week.